Talk Live. Man, I come into the studio and like things are not where they're supposed to be, and there's stuff where it's all body you know, stuff isn't supposed to be, and you know. And then, like, buttons are pressed that I don't... And, like, fortunately, I knew what to press immediately to remedy whatever the heck just happened. Woman, if you're listening, get down here. <laughs> no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that serious, but, I mean, you know. I, uh, however, I do want to mention, uh, Peakless Mountaineer, uh, since you're here, last week uh, you were a bit tardy to, to the game. Now, you did notify us, which is great, and we appreciate that. Mm. Tardy uh, nonetheless. However, however, tardy nonetheless, and we, we sort of alluded to... A crown of shame. You did. And that crown of shame was never produced. Because we are not content producers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and our producers didn't produce content for you're, us either. You're also not object producers. Right. However, there is this Barbie pin here. Ooh. Uh, hold it up to the camera I, so the people can I, uh, see it. Yeah, hold it up to the camera. I don't know which camera is functioning right now. Check over there. Oh, it might be mine. I'm, I'm going to oh. hold it up to the one that I can actually like reach. Yeah. Uh, it so, is now the pin of shame. So even though like that was just sort of probably randomly left here by you know one of the people uh, that were in the studio before us, um, that has now become the pin of shame. I see. So we're not going to ask you to put it on or anything, but we're just going to ask you to like hold it up to the camera several times there uh, as as if it were a scarlet letter. Yeah. And you have earned that, my friend. I see. And you get evicted from the Mojo Jojo Casa House or whatever it was called in the movie. No, no, no. Just I want to oh. say thank you very little. Mojo was... Dojo. Oh, okay. Casa House. Sorry. I like Powerpuff Girls too. <laughs> in, in the spirit of uh, Caddyshack, the movie, I want to say, Peakless, thank you very little. It was ungratefully depreciated. Wow. Well, you're unwelcome. <laughs> very well. <laughs> Uh, By the way, that is a fantastic movie. It certainly is. It's like, uh, hey, uh, what's the kid's name? Randy or something? Uh, I forget. Yeah, like, Randy, do you do you do drugs? He's like, every day, sir. It's like, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the name of the show? I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is Free Talk Live. Is he wrong? He's not wrong. That's right. correct. Do you know the ding, phone ding, number? Ding. 603-283-6160. Nice. So if you want to call and join us tonight, that is the number 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's... Peakless Mountaineer. Richie Rich. And I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. We've got a plethora, or plethora, depending on, you know, if you're... Whether you'd tomato. like to pronounce it correctly or not. <laughs> well, which one's correct? Plethora. Really? Yeah, look why, it up. Why not plethora? Because that's not how it works. Isn't put, it tomato, tomato? Put your emphasis on the right syllable. What about tomato or tomato? Which one's the correct one? Are you British? Which is the emphasis? Are you British? I mean, what is that Is it matter? a lorry or is it a truck? It's, is it an elevator or a lift? Is it a boot or a trunk? Exactly. Well, I don't know. Well... Over here, like first of all, I'm not really. It's all a tomato. That, I'm not really all that into the fruit that most people mistake as a vegetable, called the tomato or the tomato, depending on if you're British or not. That's really the def- like. Yeah. How, uh, wow. Yeah. What about that mid-Atlantic, northern mid-Atlantic? You know, no, like they're all pretending that, to be British, like all the all the black and white, all the like New the, Englanders. 
Yeah, like like yeah, the Gene they're Kelly pretending and to the, be, they're pretending to be British. Like outside so of Jimmy Stewart, every every movie Jimmy Stewart has ever been in, he has had the Americans list. pretend to be British, British people pretend to be French, and French people have no one to pretend to be when they're being fancy. That used to be one of my biggest gripes about uh, we'll call it pop music in the eighties. We're talking Casey Kasem's The Weekly Top Forty. Here's my long distance dedication, right? Like all of the pop songs, like when American singers would sing, they would try and sing as if they were British. Okay. Right? But then the British well, singers, because... the British singers, they would talk like this and everything, but they would sing like they're American. Nah. Yeah, right? I always found that and I was accents like, go weird. away when you start singing. What well, about the Australians? They, they, well, same thing. Like oh. Olivia Newton John. Does a famous Australian singer, right, and also gorgeous woman, uh, formerly, uh, yeah, she's seen her time. But at the time, like you know, um, she was like a hot female solo pop artist, right? And she has a very sexy Australian accent, but when she sings, it's gone. Okay, it's very American. All her singing style, her her dialect her accent goes away and she sounds as american as any other american singer now you could take so i'm trying to think of one now i want an, an irish singer. example mm, i can't think of an irish example can they get rid of the accent when they sing yeah yeah okay yeah no i've always found that to be the case as soon as you start singing the accents goes for the most part. Like, there it, are exceptions. It either goes away or general, it becomes different than what you actually speak, right? And I'm saying that because American pop singers, when they start singing, um, many of them start sounding British. Okay. Yeah. So Maybe it's I, just the auto-tune of the modern pop music. No, no, no. This is okay. I'm talking pre-auto-tune. All right. right? We're talking, you know, 19, before 1990. Well, then you had the synthesizer, and that, well, functionally the same, and that's why all the you know pop hits of the eighties sounded like crap because it's all eight bit samples and you know horrible synthesizers that do a crappy job of well synthesizing. Um, like oh my god, the, the the tones themselves. Somebody once told me the the eighties were filled with some of the best music that was the most poorly produced. Okay. <laughs> because of mm. the advent of 8-bit digital technology, everybody took the lazy way out and went, oh, this is good enough, instead of you know trying to make these samples better, create their own samples, et cetera, and so on. They had to catch up to the tech curve, right? So the tech, tech really affects the entertainment industry first. Did you listen to the new Beatles song? I did. Okay. I was, I was whelmed. Okay. I, I wasn't combobulated. I, okay. was just, I was just whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I was just like, oh, okay. And then I read about it, and I read that they did some like AI enhancements to some of the vocal tracks from right. John Lennon, of course, because he's dead, right? And then Paul. Well, first did- they have to isolate the voice, yeah. which they haven't been able to do. And finally, the technology has caught up where they could have, where they were able to isolate the voice. That tech has been around for a while. It's just that like the Beatles are probably the only uh, entity that can afford to use it at this point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, that is what they did. Exactly what they did. They they isolated uh, Lennon's tracks. They were able to do some, we'll call it audio sweetening to that. Uh, Paul went into the studio, laid down some, of course, bass tracks and some backing vocals, et cetera, and so on, as did the rest of the band. It wasn't completely re-recorded. They had some of those tracks that they had saved on tape. Yes, actual tape, ladies and gentlemen. 
instead of in a digital format. I'm sure they transduced it into the digital domain to do this mix. Once upon a time, men would wind magnets around reels. And that is how computers were born, children. It is interesting. What was the first album to have the ninth track? Oh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> I know early Beatles albums only had four. Okay. Now, they did Mults, so they were able to record four tracks and then either bust two of them down to two, so they get a left and right, or bust three of them down to one, so it's a mono track. And so then they would free up those other three tracks. So if you had three backing vocalists all singing harmonies, you could record one vocalist on one track, another vocalist on another track, and a third vocalist on the third once they all did their thing and you were satisfied with their takes, they were in tune. There was no auto-tune back in the day, so you had to just do takes until it was good. Uh, then you could arm the fourth track and send the audio from the three tracks to that fourth track, but you had to like do all the audio leveling manually. There was like very limited compression and uh, volume normalization available at those times. So people would literally, like sometimes you'd get three, four people in a studio to like man the faders and take direction from like the audio engineer. Like, okay, now you push those up to where we said we were going to before, right? You know, you're coaching people in advance. I've always been intimidated by those boards. Yeah. Uh, I got to sit in on a couple of sessions when I went to school for audio uh, where, like, it was that kind of a thing. It's like, here's a 24-track console. We filled all 24 tracks with sound, right? <laughs> Bob, you're going to take tracks one through five, and when I tell you to, you're going to push them up by a, a factor of five, and then when I point at you, you're going to pull them down by a factor of five. And same thing for, like, vocals and fills and, you know, oh, this drum roll or this guitar solo needs to be louder at this point in the song, but the rest of the guitar needs to be at this level for the remainder of the song. So when the second chorus ends and the solo kicks in, Bob, you just go ahead and push that one fader up for the guitar solo like a factor of five, right? And then the solo comes on and the factor, like, sort of fades in casually and it's all louder than the rest of the thing. And then it sort of fades out as he holds that last artificial harmonic that and it fades out and then the rest of the song kicks in doesn't sound just right let's do it again and that's what happens (laughs) you get you know five eight people on a board everybody's taking everybody's taking notes about where in the song you've got some kind some kind of a counter uh on the console itself an analog counter no less back in the day before the digital stuff kicked in and uh, everybody watched that. Oh, yeah, at like, you know, two minutes and 13 seconds is when I need to push that fader up for the solo. And then at two minutes and, you know, 25 seconds is when it needs to come out. So you're thinking, you're looking at your piece of paper, you're moving a fader, you're working with a team of other people to make this all happen. And now that human being has been replaced by a fairly simple set of code. Yeah, now it's all what they call fader automation, mm-hmm. right? So you just, you know, hit play on the song and then you hit arm on the fader automation and then whenever you make a move let's say that same solo comes up oh it's 213 into it i gotta push that solo up and at 227 i gotta pull that solo down you do that now the automation remembers that move and so the next time you hit play you don't have to touch that fader Uh if the fader is motorized in fact that fader will move for you as if the ghost is touching it and that's pretty sweet to see an action once you get a whole orchestrated mix going on and you've got theaters moving up and down throughout the song for different dynamics and different pieces coming in. You got horn sections coming in, you got violins coming in, you got second, third vocals coming in, right? And all these faders are moving as you hit play and watch it. And then you get to be the mind behind that to orchestrate it all. 
That's pretty sweet. All right. That's, that's, I don't know how we got on this topic. I don't know how we get off of this topic. Accents. Yeah. Hey, let's set on the bat. I don't know. Hey. I think we were talking about how I wore the uh, crown of shame. No, that the was the last time I paid now, the tax. Right? It was it's... the plethora. That was it. Plethora. And it's pronounced <sighs> plethora. Not plethora? No. Love, are you British? This is recycling. What about plea though? No, no, even, even if you're British, oh. you're still wrong if you're saying plethora. What about plea though, Ray? That's even worse. Okay. But like, like, not only are you pronouncing it wrong, no one will have any idea what the heck you're talking about. Dumb Here people at will. Plethora talk live. Plethora. Dumb people don't even know what a plethora is. They'll just like pretend. That. So if you call it a plethora, they'll just also and pretend. For the, for the first time ever, I feel like you're going to take Scooter up on. The invitation to slap me. (laughs) For one million dollars. You know, as soon as I believe he's going to pay me, yeah. Mm, Well, that's probably not likely. Uh, All right, so it is Free Talk Live. We have many, many things to talk about. Uh, What did I title the show? 4.5 million tickets. Yahoo's. Where did 4.5 million tickets come from, you might ask? Well, you'll never guess. You might guess. Sounds like a really big show. It's it's where they make uh, bad salsa. New York City. New York. That's right. Yeah. New this York stuff's City. made in New York City. Huh. New York. Sounds low. Well, uh, Tyler Durden reports from the activistpost.com. NYC speed cameras have issued 4.5 million tickets totaling hundreds of millions of dollars this year. Automated. Not even real cops doing real cop work, like pulling mm-hmm. people over and extorting yeah, money from them. What's the, the Stallone and Bullock movie? Oh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. Come on. This is straight out of Demolition Man. Man. <laughs> Demolition Man. Well, man. I mean, we haven't quite reached the point where the automated ticket maker is in the bathroom listening to you cuss. You have been fined one credit. Yet. For violation of the verbal morality code. I mean, mm-hmm. the FCC exists, so as far as I'm concerned, we're like just a half step away from that. Man, if you take your phone into the bathroom, they're listening to you in the bathroom, oh, yeah. too. That's uh, true, but we haven't reached the point that, A, they're admitting that they listen okay. to you in the bathroom, and B, they start fining you for using naughty words for right. it. Fair enough. We've talked, they're already listening. But they you're know right. when I'm pooping. When the day comes, they will not waste expensive paper that could be used to wipe your bottom it'll just, by giving you tickets. It'll no. just pop up as a presidential notification yeah, just, that you can't ignore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just get a little notification, you now owe God. this for using... The Biden administration finds you one credit. So two flushes, always two flushes when you number two. We have talked about on Free Talk Live how you know things are. I don't think it'll be that useful, honestly. Like every time that uh, YouTube tells me that uh, they've you know stopped something, they never tell you why. It's just it's violated something. Yeah. Who knows what it's violated? Who knows what you were supposed to say but didn't say, or weren't supposed to say but did say. That's but, even worse than Demolition Man, because at least right. they give you the reason you're fucking find the credits. Right. Be well. <laughs> Be well. Uh, New York City speed cameras have issued 4.5 million tickets, totaling hundreds of millions this year. Just oh, this that, year. Yeah, okay. Just this year. Not like since the program began or... Where are these cameras yeah. located? I feel like you can't really speed through New York City. I, I mean, I feel like that, too. It just seems to me... It, 
like I've only driven through New York City one time, so you know my experience is very limited. But it what seems I congested. can say is that well, things didn't move very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was like oh peak peak rush hour, right? You know, which is you know two and a half three hours before and after the actual hour of rush. Yeah, right, think, which is like five o'clock, right? It's so, only the rich people driving. Yeah, it, everyone else is on the rush suburbs. hour. Goes from like three until seven thirty or something like that in most big cities. Seattle was even one of them uh, when I lived there. Like rush hour was like, oh man, if you want to, if you want to get out of work early and beat the actual rush, you got to leave before four, right? Yep. Because like four until probably seven, you know, was the normal quote rush hour unquote, which I realize is like a three hour span. Yeah, I think they invented using the pull-off as an extra lane of te- traffic there. Which, by the way, is one of the most antisocial behaviors you can engage in, in my opinion. Well, and, and Seattle has this weird thing where uh, all of their on-ramps and off-ramps are uh, the same, right? They're they're one thing. So in the Midwest, uh, if you're driving on a freeway and it's like, hey, the town you want to get off on is uh, you know exit 7. Okay. Right. And so you take that exit and and you go towards that town. Now, maybe somewhere between a half a mile and several miles down the road is the on-ramp from that same town putting you back on the freeway. Okay. In the Seattle Washington area, however, those are together. So people coming onto the freeway have to zipper merge with people getting off the freeway into the oh, same lane. They have it backwards. I don't know why they do it backwards. Well, there should be like an exit entrance lane. Right. But you exit first to clear the lane. Correct. And then you enter afterwards. Which is where it happens in almost every other place outside of the West Coast. Okay. The reason it doesn't happen that way on the West Coast, particularly in the Seattle area, is because Seattle is nothing but hills and mountains. Okay. So most of the freeway and highway and roadway systems there are a series of bridges. Okay. And so to maximize the use of whatever the heck it is they build, because they got to build these giant pylons and columns and. I mean, I feel being on the West weird... Coast, they had much more time to get this right. Yeah, I mean, right? Well, things are more like things are more spread out but, out but, west. But what than is they are right the in the coast. eyes of the state, right? Like it's efficient. You not efficient, but it's it's best bang for their buck that they can get. Okay. Uh, and so they decide they the city planners, if you will, these the yeah. roadway planners decided that we'll just make the on ramps and the off ramps the exact same thing and let people zipper merge, which of course does nothing to maximize the efficiency of your roadways. In fact, it slows everything down because now you've got backups in the far right lane going for miles of people who want to get off the freeway yep. and then you've got backups going like down into the city for people who are trying to get on, on the, the freeway. freeway. Yeah. Right. That's why it should be the opposite. Like I, I get it, you know, I get that. I get that space is limited, right? Right. But they they sacrificed efficiency. Yeah. When you get outside of like Seattle proper into like some of the burbs and stuff like that, then it sort of okay. works itself out. But for whatever reason, Seattle proper is just this. I can't even say the word on the radio. It's just this mess. Okay. And uh, I like it when the same exits on both sides of the freeway, as well. Right, like I actually, on and off, on and off, and then boom. There's, there's one of them. Would here. it be an S storm or a cluster frack? A cluster smurf. Ah, there you go. Yes, it's it's a very smurf situation. It's a very smurf situation. Up. Yeah, it's yeah. all smurfed up. 
Uh, so anyway, uh, in the first nine months of New York City's school zone speed cameras. School zone. Yeah. So they're really catching it because they've dropped those things down like 15 or 20. And if you left your foot off the brake, you're going to hit 25 pretty quick. Almost 4.5 million tickets have already been issued with fines totaling an astonishing hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that's at least $200 million. Okay. Right, well, because it says hundreds. Technically, it has to be hundreds of millions. So I'm just going out on a limb, and unless saying, you're calling Tyler Durden a liar, you grammar Nazi. I'm just saying, first the, the tomatoes and the plethoras. <laughs> it was it was a plethora Plethoras. of tomatoes or a plethora of tomatoes. <laughs> plethora of tomatoes. I'd rather a plethora of tomatoes than a plethora of tomatoes. I'm trying to figure out a band name. We are the Tomato Plethora or Plethora. Wait, no. What's the right one? Fried green there plethoras. He just told me there was, like, a half hour ago. You're like, no, there's only one way to pronounce it correctly. Plethora. So if you're a band called the Tomato Plethora? That's fine. Okay. All right. But if you're a band called the Tomato Plethora, violation. Oh, what if you are a band called the Tomato Plethora, but you play in Mexico? Bigless, I'll let you take this one. Doesn't that sound like, you no. know, like a Mexican <laughs> accent? No. Do you think the Mexicans pronounce it Plethora? No. Or plethora. No. Plethora. No. No what? Let me translate this the into Spanish the Mexi- for you. The problem with the Mexicans is they don't plethora. have a word for plethora. No. <laughs> El plethora? In let French, me, it's la let me try. Let me try French. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the speed cameras in New York City now monitor and issue citations continuously operating 24-7. Throughout the year, after a considerable enlargement of the program in August of 2022. Paid for by the money they stole earlier in the program to start the program to find people for going a little too fast with little Jimmy at play. Mm, Little Jimmy. Well, frankly, if you wanted your kid to live, don't bring him to a public school. Get him the... Smurf like out of number New York. one, that is the easiest place to get shot. Number two, if he survives, that's actually the worst fate. And get him the Smurf out of New York City. I mean, like, yeah. if you really value your children, get the Smurf out of New York City. You know, like, seriously, I'm not even kidding. Just do it. It's totally worth your time and effort. 603-283-6160. We'll talk more about how much money these cameras are producing just in New York City alone. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
Welcome back. No? Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. Anyone? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch it. I know that song. Name the character. The character that all the time in Welcome Back, Cotter went, ooh, 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 ooh. Never really watched the show. All I can tell you is up your nose with a rubber hose. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Twice as far with a chocolate bar. Nice. In your ear with a can of beer. And if you don't like that, try a baseball bat. Yeah, that was, uh, man, I, it was, I think it was, uh trying to remember the guy's name, the guy who played Cotter, uh, Gabe, mm, don't remember his last name, uh, but it was him and I think Rick Dees. Uh, it was like, Rick Dees was, Rick Dees was what? C- comedian, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Rick D's nuts, uh, <laughs> uh, but he also uh, did some like some funny music. Uh, Rick D's did uh, a song called "Eat My Shorts" long before the Simpsons were ever invented, uh, and it was uh, uh, it was basically uh, him getting a divorce, right? And so he's like, "Eat my shorts, yes, choke on polished cotton. Eat my shorts, everything we had is rotten. And baby, I'll see you in court. Eat my shorts." Nice. Right. And so, like, in my mind, before The Simpsons were ever, they, The Simpsons first appeared on the Tracy Ullman show, right? One of the first Fox uh, original productions. And it was just a bit uh, like, you know, five minute cartoon that appeared during this comedy skit show. And that was spun off into what we all know today as The Simpsons, which has been on for 30 years now or something. Right. Um, but Rick D's. Uh, his song appeared on like solid gold. Uh, it appeared, I think he did a thing, uh, with Tracy Ullman on the Tracy Ullman show. And then, uh, the song, uh, that I mentioned earlier with him or with Gabe Kaplan, I think is the actor's name. That sounds right. Gabe Kaplan and Rick D. It starts with a K. What is it? Was the, um. Not eat my shorts. What was the thing you said originally? Up your nose with a rubber hose. Up your nose with a rubber hose. Right. And so... Uh, because I'm a fan of Dr. Demento, these songs got airplay not only on regular terrestrial radio f- for a short period of time, but they showed up on the Dr. Demento show repeatedly. Uh, and I think, like, Dr. Demento is still doing a show, for any of you who are fans, hmm. he's still doing a show. It's just not on radio anymore. You go to mm. drdemento.com, you got to pay, I don't know, five, ten bucks a month or something, right, to, like, and then you have access to the entire Demento archives, wow. right? So, yeah. And he still does a show weekly on Sundays, uh, but it's just not on radio anymore. It was just more cost-effective for them to go to the web-only thing and use his collection to the advantage and collect wasn't subscribers. Wasn't his whole way. thing being weird? Well, I mean... Like, that, wasn't that basically the shtick? Like, that was... Right. Yeah, yeah. It was. How do you even do that now? Well, you don't do it now. Like, <laughs> like Dr. Demento literally uh, had to move at some point because the weight of his record and CD collection was too much for the apartment in which he lived in. And there was some question about the structural integrity of where he lived. And I mean, so, get a storage unit, man. Well, okay, okay, but like, you know, you're already paying rent in California somewhere. So, okay. you know, like you're going to try and house as much of that as you can in your own place, right? All right. Save the money. Unless and, it requires me to move. And like while Dr. Demento has achieved fame... I'm pretty sure fortune eluded him. Okay. Right? Like, he didn't, it's not like he didn't get paid, but, like, he's not a multimillionaire or anything like that. Okay. Like, Weird Al Yankovic is a multimillionaire, right? And Dr. Demento launched his career almost single-handedly mm. because no one else would play parodies. And still to this day, it's hard for parody artists to get airplay 
because none of the distributors, none of the stations want to take the risk of getting sued. Like parody is protected by law, but you can only invoke fair use as a defense. You can't upfront be like, hey, I'm putting this song out. It's fair use. It's a parody. It's comedy. It's satire. It's, you know, social commentary. It's politically charged, whatever it is. Uh, whatever your reason, you can't just say that up front and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll publish it. No. But, Captain, you we have, have free speech in this country. <laughs> no. You have to find a publisher and a, and a radio station who are both willing to risk the lawsuit, so the infamy, the publicity, if you will. Right? Some stations are like, yeah, our ratings are down. We need some We need some press right now. Right. Yeah, we'll go ahead and play. Like, occasionally you can find Sometimes somebody Sometimes there's like no that. such thing as bad press. Right. But most of the time, parody songs are not getting played on the radio, with the exception of the former Dr. Demento show. Mm. And that was a syndicated radio program, and they just ate all of the risk to well, do this and, one show. And part of it is just that music is such a closed system at this point. So, like, there are very few, very powerful uh, actors in that. So if you get a reputation for snubbing any one of those, then the others won't work with you. And since it's not one of those situations where a whole bunch of new people can come in and be like, oh, well, that you're just leaving money on the table. I will totally do that. Uh, it, it's uh, it's very insular. Yeah. Well, and certainly as far as uh, any artists doing a pastiche parody, uh, anything in that vein, it is difficult for them to achieve airplay. There's, right. there's some websites that allow, like I'm on Bandcamp for my parody songs, right? Because they're like... Yeah, whatever. We don't care. It's fine. Like, if you make so much money that somebody's going to sue you about it, we'll 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 take the risk, right? And and like, no one has because they they already know. They're like, oh, it's fair use. Like, people are like, well, Weird Al gets permission from everybody. Well, no, technically he doesn't, uh, but he tries. Right, most of the time he'll reach out to an artist and be like, hey, I'm thinking about parodying your song. Cool, and they'll be like, cool. Or they'll be like, no, it's not cool. And he'll respect that decision. But maybe legally, it's not necessary. Well, there's a question. Has he ever received word back and then done it anyway? Yes. Yeah? One yeah. time. Once? Yeah. Which, Which one, one are you thinking of? Uh, the uh, Not Amish Paradise, but... Um, uh-huh. uh, oh, God. I don't know that one. All right, which one are you thinking of? I, I don't know the song, but it was Eminem. Yeah, that's okay. the one. Yeah. Uh. yeah, that's the one. Like, he actually had asked... Yeah. But I like some something happened, and he, I you know I don't know. He claims he thought he had permission, uh, but the permission never actually did arrive, I and just, he went ahead and did it anyway. I just remember the debut on MTV. He was like, "I don't have permission for this, so there's no video." So here's the debut, and he just held up a boombox <laughs> and let the song play. <laughs> That is pretty funny. And what's amazing about the Dr. Demento show is that people would submit their own parodies, and they would do this by by way of using what I call a multi-boombox system. So before digital technology and computers, where you just plug stuff in and record stuff to a computer and multi-track and all that kind of stuff, um, they would just take like an original song on cassette and put a cassette into a boombox, all queued up, ready to play that song, put it on one side of like their bathroom, and they would take another boombox and put a blank cassette in it, right, and set that to record. And they would hit go on both boomboxes simultaneously with them in between the two boomboxes. Okay. So that as they sang over the original song, the vocals were a bit louder than the music in the background. And the new boombox was then recording both the new vocal and the old song behind it 
albeit highly reverbed out because you're in a bathroom. Uh, but then they would take that and, you know, hit save, make a copy for themselves, drop that in the mail, send it to Dr. Demento. And then Dr. Demento would, you know, hey, either he himself or he'd have somebody like go through all the submissions and like pick out the ones that he thought were worthy of airplay and then give him a shot. It's pretty awesome. You know, so Dr. D was like early indie, you know, style promotion for specifically for a niche market of parody artists. So much respect. Uh, what were we talking about? A plethora of articles. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we're talking about New York City speed cameras having issued four and a half million tickets just this year uh, worth over hundreds of millions of dollars. So when we uh, anarchists, are they really, though, when are we, they worth that? When when we anarchist slash libertarian types talk about revenue generators, this is it. Uh, in in relation to policing, this is a prime example of what that is. So, uh, yeah. On the subject, something that it, it kind of boggles my mind how incredible people are at overlooking the nature of government. But just about everyone, you know, under, say, 60 at this point has figured out the idea that if there is no charge for a service, you are the product. Like, that's a pretty standard thing to okay. be aware of. If you're like, on Facebook, you should know yeah. this intimately. Right. Yes. Facebook is is a perfect example. Google. Right. Right. All of these things that there's no charge for, well, you are the product. Okay. Like, any anyone with any amount of savvy is aware of this. Yes. And then there's government services. Okay. Right. You're the it product. It is amazing to me that no one realizes that they are the product. Well, what... If you're the product with a government service, how are they using you, and what are they what are they selling? Well, so for for example, um, I did not receive an upfront charge for the use of these roads. Okay. I mean, sure, I had to do all of these things to not get uh, busted to use them, but I didn't, you know, I didn't pay for these roads. I'm not uh, a road subscriber, right? right? And that's because I'm the product. Well, but with with Google because and they Facebook. will periodically extract from me whatever they feel the need to extract, so long as I want to use their roads. Well, that's not you. That's not you being the product. That's being you being a forced customer, right? Like Facebook and Google, you're the product because they take your information and they sell it to other people who then market to you their products and services. Right. Right. Well, so what, that's one does... side of it. Uh, another side of it entirely is that, uh, for example, if uh, Google wants to shift the probability of an election, they just change the algorithm for your search results. If if Facebook wants to uh, shift opinion on a particular disease, for example, they just downplay all of the uh, times where people are yeah. saying, "No, I don't think this is actually a threat." Yeah, and they don't and even have to play all the times where people are like really concerned. And about they don't it. even have to make up the um, we'll call it the propaganda, right? Because people make their own propaganda for whatever their opinion is. So all Facebook or Google or Twitter or any of these social media companies need to do is just accent or put into a higher rotation, if you will, the memes, the propaganda, the, you know, whatever posts that, you know, sort of fit whatever they're trying to promote. Right. Right. They just increase the frequency that those are seen amongst their entire user base in order to change public opinion. Yeah. Well, they do all that, but I don't know if I don't know if those activities make you the product right that's that's a resulting activity well okay here's here's how you tell 
uh, do you pay anything to be on Facebook? Well, again, I'm not. I'm not saying that you don't. That you're not the product with Facebook. Well, and I'm not saying that that isn't part of how they harvest you. Okay. Definitely, part of how they harvest you is by harvesting your information, selling that to advertisers. That's no what doubt. makes you the product. No, that's not the only thing. Okay. That is part of what makes you the product. Part of what makes you the product is that they have your trust in the same way that uh, Dan Rather had people's trust a while back. Like okay. the the idea of this is the news. This is true facts about the actual reality that I'm living in, and people go to Facebook for that. Right, but th- or they go to Google for that. Then, then your opinion, your there's they're they're modifying your opinion and then selling your opinion to politicians. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's it's on a it's just on a a micro scale compared to what it was before the internet. I got so, it. So before the internet, it was radio and television, and it was genuinely easy for the state to acquire what most people believed to be popular opinion. Right, but I'm like, trying to relate this to like being you being the product when it comes to government. Like you Oh, you, when it comes to government, right? Yeah. You're not the product. They're not selling well, your information. I mean, it's, no, you the, are the product. They are the selling you. To who? To China? Well, among other things. Okay. Well, part of you, yes. See, that's the thing. It's not one place that all of this power is going to yeah the, it's it's a whole consortium that is bidding for this part and that part the entire of control federal over your life reserve banking system the entire federal reserve banking system illustrates this does it right because yeah because the reason the united states has such a great credit rating with central banks is because they're banking on you continuing to pay your taxes. Right. That's the collateral they use to get all these loans. They're like, well, we have a population of 395 million, whatever the United States population is, 390 some million people, whatever. I thought it was around 330. Okay, but, whatever. Yeah. Three, 300 million people or more. Uh, and uh, because we're the government and we're taxing them, we know that we're. Ta- it's just like you doing your calculation for your mortgage. You're like, well, I make uh, you know eighty grand a year, and my house payment's going to be a thousand bucks, and so I make three times. You know, it's just like you doing that calculation. So when, it's when just it the government to- doing the cal- calculation, except you, the taxpayer, the tax cattle, if you will. They're milking you for the interest on these bloated loans that they're they're taking out to fund wars. Yeah, ultimately, there's two things that get harvested from you. One of them is you do what someone tells you to do. And the other is you go out and in your own creative capacity, produce some actual value for some other person, and they get a chunk of that. Right, but in, in, the, in the government extraction, the, the transaction is they are providing you a service and then forcibly extracting the payment. Like you're, 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 you're a captive customer. Not the product. Uh, what service might they claim to be providing? Because we already Courts, know. and roads. We already know that they have no duty to protect. I got you. So what were the other ones? Courts, cops, and roads. Cops Those are the big ones. and roads. Uh, all of which we don't need government to provide. I'm not saying we do. But yeah. what I'm saying is the what they extract from you in their mind is payment for those services. Like you, you're, you're a captive customer. You're not the, they're not selling you to China not saying well we've got captive kick-ass here and you know captive we, kick-ass okay fine captive kick-ass <laughs> you know we've got captive kick-ass it would be captive kick-ass and yeah. we we know you the chinese people need That's a radio so personality so we're gonna like yeah. trade him to china like you're not the product you're a captive customer you're you're forced to pay uh, no you absolutely are the product because you are what produces value 
they don't care if you produce value. No, they absolutely do. That is what this whole system is set up to extract. You produce value. Like you have, but they give it to somebody else. Right. Right, because so they don't they produce anything what they themselves. Want. But they're not giving you to somebody else. They're again, the tr- the transactional relationship is not one of a product like it is in Facebook and Google. Yeah, for me, the the analogy of the matrix is more accurate. Right, you are the battery, if you will. Okay, that they are extracting energy from uh, in order to forward their goals. I got uh, it. Or, but in, or in that you analogy, are the cattle. You're the cow with which they're milking, and the milk is your tax money. Right, but in that analogy, they're also giving that milk back to other cows or using that battery to charge other batteries. Right, but without... I they mean, can't but, extract okay. it from everybody. But first, sure. they're taking a healthy chunk off the top for themselves and their friends. Got it. So do you know anything about how electronics work? Generally, yes. Okay, but- taking that energy from this battery and putting it into this battery is exactly how they work. Okay. Yeah, that's how that works. But that makes the, then the other batteries not the product; it's the recipient. They can't. You can't do. You can't make the analogy work for everybody, because some people are recipients okay. of the energy. So sure, uh, some people are more like a battery, and some people are more like a capacitor. Some people are more like a resistor. Okay. But what I want is uh, <laughs> I'm a uh, resistor. What? There you go. <laughs> I'm here doing this. Fair enough. So what I want is for uh, my my program, for example, to my, my little TV show to show up on my phone. Now, in order for that to happen, I have to send this energy from this battery through these resistors, through these capacitors, so on and so forth, in order to right. get the thing that I want. Got it. So all of those pieces are people. I got it. I just, you, I don't. Now, I if I sell you a phone. It has all of these pieces in it, and those pieces better work, or I'm not selling you something that you want to give me what I want in exchange for. Which is the money. Right. Right. But if so you're the government, the, you just so give those me the pieces phone, and then you are a extra. product. Well, the, the pieces are inputs to a product. Yeah, I... I, I like with Google, with Google and Facebook, you get the service for free. Right. But, and we say free because there's no monetary exchange. Right. But the payment is the data. Right, that's what makes you the product. Right, you, the, you are paying them data in exchange that's for a part free of it. service. Right, that's most of it. So, so where I think are, that's half of so it, where where roughly. are you the product of government? That's the question. I don't think I don't think you're necessarily the product of government. You're 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 your captive customer. You are collateral for government. Okay. Right. What does that even mean? Yeah. No. So like. Okay, uh, the U.S. can borrow dollars, I can borrow it. yen or whatever. The reason that anyone is willing to do that. Because they're going to collect your taxes later. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. Right. I'm not ignorant to so this that, concept. So that's how you're collateral, right? Like, But oh, you're not the collateral. You're The product of your labor is the collateral. The expectation the, exists that they will be able to harvest from you your creative potential in the future. But the quantity, because of that, the quantity of human beings with which they are extracting this wealth from is certainly the collateral. But that's diminishing the more they give away. Uh, well, how is it diminishing? Like because the more they the, the more energy they take from you know rich. I people, mean, we're over thirty thirty three billion dollars in debt. The U.S. It is. Uh, and that's, okay, so where's that? Where's, uh, you know, how is using taxpayer money as collateral going to pay that off in the future? It's not. Well, no, it's not. Uh, in fact, uh, income tax uh, that is collected by the IRS barely pays the interest. Barely pays, and it might right. not even pay the interest. And at you this don't point. even need to do that because they just print more money. Right. Yeah. 
But that's how they continue to get the loans by using you as the collateral. I got it against the loan. I get, I get it. Or in theory. using the population and the percentage of which they actually collect taxation from us. I get it in theory. Yeah, but it it still doesn't. So follow. let me let me give you an example of why you are the product. So right now you're using U.S. dollars. Sure. Right. Now, it is in the best interest of those running the United States federal government that you continue to use U.S. dollars. Okay. Now, because of that, they're going to do things like say, hey, if you use cryptocurrency, then we will come after you. Okay. So, you, your actual production is the thing that they want. They don't care about the dollars. They can literally print those. Right. What they want is your activity, your attention, they don't need your need energy. That. They don't need it. The only thing they extract out of all of that is the dollars, which they can already print. That's retarded. Well, Why would they do that? Why would they do Why what? would they extract dollars that they can print? It's because they're comp- extracting what the dollars are symbolic of. Which is what? Productivity. Your life's effort. Your life's effort. They don't need it. Of course they my do. Life, my, life's effort they need is, to eat. my life's effort is denominated in dollars. Number one, yes. they do literally need it. Number two- They don't even, need it. They don't need anyone to be productive. Now, if they're going to print the dollars okay. anyway, they don't need anyone to be productive. Okay. They don't need it. Okay. As you, as you noted, Captain, they're $40 trillion in debt. The money that they collect from productive individuals barely covers the interest, yep. yet they're going to go deeper in debt- it's not it's not from the productive activity of 300 million Americans that's going to drive us further in debt. It's going to be them printing more dollars. Right, and or taking loans out, which or, is which or, is the same or taking kind of loans, thing really. Or yeah. taking loans out against the tax money that they're going to collect in the future that we already know doesn't even cover the interest. Right, and making well, sure no, that- I mean, if people become less productive, like actual wealth, if people are simply less productive, then they will print more dollars as an attempt to get people to do more stuff. Okay. That's what they always do. So if you stop being as productive, they will print more dollars. If you continue to be productive, they will print dollars at the current schedule. So if you're less if productive. If you are way more productive, if you're then they will productive. actually print less dollars because they don't need to do a stimulus package to right. get people to do a bunch so, of things. So if you're less productive and you're giving them no productivity, as you just said, they will just print more dollars. Right. Because they don't need your productivity. They just need the dollars. No, 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 no. The printed print dollars are the attempt to, to get your productivity out of you. That's it, what well, those are there for. Th- then they're foolish because that clearly hasn't worked. Right? They've inflated. Are you the, kidding me? Yeah. They, they've inflated the currency so much where there's an anti-work movement going on amongst the youths, uh, right? Nobody wants to work, you know, the, the nobody wants to work. I thing. thought it was just you. Just me? No, I, I clearly don't want to work, okay. but, you know, I do. Are you part of the youths? The youths? Yeah. I, 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 of course I am. <laughs> right, Are you the youths? Uh, it is interesting to note that government, if you will, is burning the candle at both ends, right? Not only... Are they taxing you as an individual and your productivity on Unnecessarily. your Unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are also borrowing at a rate in which is totally impossible well, to repay. Well, so here's... Which is why they can already just do that. Well, right. so But that's the other half of this. So part of it is your productivity, and part of it is the control. That's and by the taxing things, they are doing le- they're getting you to do less of whatever they tax. By regulating things, they get you to do less of whatever they're regulating. I was reading now you an, touched on it. I was, reading, I was reading an article today that like 
uh, the, the whole job situation. Like, they can't get, like, one qualified person to fill the job description. So they're taking the job description and dividing it in half or even thirds and getting one person to fill one third of the role mm-hmm. at, like, a reduced salary or whatever it is because they can't find one person with all the qualifications for this previous role. Right. Which is totally interesting. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero more on these automated speed cameras. It's free talk live. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, wow. That went well. <laughs> surprise, totally, surprise. Totally unrehearsed. Professionals. Like, just point at people for the next word and, like, wow. You guys really make this show happen. Thanks. You're welcome. It is Free Talk Live. The telephone number, if you would like to join us, is 603 283 6160 again 603-283-6160 in the studio tonight it's myself the captain Beakless Mountaineer and Richie Rich we've been talking about well, a variety of things but we've been trying to talk about the speed cameras in New York City which have issued 4.5 million tickets this year alone totaling in the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue how much is that per ticket? That's a good question. Uh, the expansion marks a significant shift from the previous restriction that limited speed camera operation to weekdays between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., but they're now uh, operating 24-7, right? So they were like, ooh, look at all this revenue we're generating between just this 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., half a day. What if we ran these things all day? Money printer go, right? While there is a legislative limit of 750 school zones where cameras can be placed, the actual number of cameras exceeds this figure. Only 750 school zones? Yeah. The actual number of cameras exceeds this figure due to the allowance of multiple cameras within these zones, resulting in approximately 2,000 cameras deployed across all five boroughs. So New York City... Uh, you are basically living George Orwell's 1984. There are cameras everywhere tracking you, tracking everything you do. They're in your pocket. They're at your schools. They're on the streets. They're you know on the corner of every place that you ever go, every store that you've ever visited. If I did the math right, it's about $45 a ticket. The report analyzing data from the city's open data page notes that New York City's speed cameras restricted to within a quarter mile of schools have levied $50 fines on drivers going over the speed limit by 10 miles an hour or more. So there you go. that's in line with your calculation. So it, it also leads me to believe that at only $50, not a lot of people are challenging this, right? No. I, that would be a good guess. But if 4.5 million people started challenging it, yeah, the and if frogs had over. wings, they wouldn't bump their butt when they jump. Well, well I mean, we we're if in, even like one we're in million. Keen, we we ask for a trial 
if it's a ten dollar parking ticket. Yeah, even if right? even yeah, if one, both of us. even if even if I'm, one million people out of these four point five right were to uh, contest the yeah. ticket and take it to court, even if they lost, that would be enough to overwhelm the court system. Well, it would be. It would. It would be. It wouldn't overwhelm the court system. It would just make it more expensive for them to collect their forty-five. I, I think one million people contesting oh, these said tickets. One person. Sorry. No, no. Okay. Even one. Like, if it's four point five million okay. of these tickets, if one million of yeah, them yeah, were yeah. contested, that okay. alone would be enough. I miss like twenty twenty percent. I That's think of I that number. Twenty percent okay. of that number should be enough to like overwhelm the court system. Okay. You so, just heard him as well? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do we get people to a point where they're able and willing to challenge these things? Because for most people in New York City, I mean, the rent's already three grand a month or something. Well, this is this this is the problem with libertarianism in general, right? Like you need you need the collective action of a large group of people, mm-hmm. but at no ind- at no individual level does it make financial sense to do it. Right. No individual goes like, well, I'm going to challenge this because it's it's financially right. beneficial to me. I'm going to get more than fifty dollars out of right. this. It's probably going to cost yeah. them more than it's fifty bucks. It's going to cost them more. To this is like take time off work to pay for parking right. yeah. to go to the thing to get the judgment. Yeah. To, right. This is yeah. basically the problem of morality. Like, why bother not stealing from people? Like, I could get away with stealing that. I want that. I could have my money and that. Why don't I steal that? Now, the, you're an honest person. Okay, what if that's not valuable to me? It's usually the fear of reprisal and repercussions. Like, like, okay, so like here, sure, there's a bunch of us that'll uh, go into court for a for a ticket sure. in Keene, New Hampshire. Right. And a big part of that is because it maintains our view of ourselves as we are non-slaves who are fighting enslavement, or however you want to phrase that, sure, yeah. some version of that. So it, it reinforces your identity. So what you're getting in exchange for all of the pain and torment of actually fighting this is your identity. Mm-hmm. Now, in in the same way, maintaining an identity as a moral, decent human being yeah. means that I have to like not steal that candy bar and a billion other little things in order to keep that view of myself. But if that's not valuable to you, then you're not going to do it. So people who aren't us, it's not valuable to them to reinforce their identity as fighting an unjust power yeah. because that's not their identity. Well, and that's why it's rampant in California, right? It's Not only is it not their identity to be morally righteous, but it is their identity to like steal from the corporation because mm-hmm. that's who the real oppressor is to them. Right. Right. And the state backs it by making it not criminal, right? right it's, yeah. oh, it's a fine. It's just, a th- and so they yeah, just, we're not prosecuting shoplifters anymore, right? So like, they just, what? So you walk in, you steal it. You're you're doing something righteous against the evil corporations, mm-hmm. and you have the backing of the state. Hey, uh, let's go to some of your calls and thoughts. Uh, I believe this is David in New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, the uh, speed of light. Hey, uh, the speed of light. We're back on yeah, physics. He finally caught up. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to pull you out of my pocket. But first of all, uh, test test. Uh, uh, how do you hear me in my pocket? Uh, I I mean, you, you sound a little muffled, but we can hear you. I'll pull it out. Oh, that's um, that's way no, Please don't pull it out again. Don't pull it out in public. Let me just whip this out for Harambe. <laughs> <Where do I win? laughs> um. So wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lee, Lee and I were having a very interesting... You mean Pinkless uh, Mountaineer? Yeah, him. We were having a very interesting 
conversation. Did you just uh, assume my gender? Was interesting to us. It wasn't to the captain, and the captain prematurely did something. What do you do prematurely, captain? Oh, that's right. Lots of things. You, you, <laughs> yeah, including any He ejected you? So, he um, prematurely what, ejected what, 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 you? Premature ejectation? Yes, he did. Attempted. I, the word, and the word on the street is that's not uncommon with the captain. So picking up where he Hey, you must, me, have, uh, you must have talked to your mom since we last had a call. Speedo Dave. Yeah, yeah. She told me all about you, dude. Told me all about you. Sick, sick, sick. sick about dude, you. Sick. That's all I got to say. Not about you, um, but about you. It's a rock and rollism. What? It's like uh, no one but you, right? When you sing it in a rock and roll song, it becomes huh? Noah... <laughs> But, Juan but you. you, right? Noah Juan but you, right? Instead of no that, one dude. but you. I, that's, that's, that, that's the illegal that stole the battery out from my truck when I was parked down by the river a couple weeks back. The illegalist? Yeah. What's an illegalist? That's, that's slang for Mexican? Oh. Well, I don't know if they, no, no, dude, they probably weren't even Mexican. They were probably oh. Guatemalan or Honduran or <laughs> Venezuelan or something like that. Can't Wait, so it's a whole ism now? Or something weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being yeah, an yeah, undocumented... Yeah, so. Yes, those people. Okay, those what, people. What were you so, trying to say? Aliens. I was trying to, Space I was trying to talk about the speed, in of, Mexico. Trying to talk about uh-huh. the speed of light. These guys aren't letting you, apparently. Well, that brings us back to the speed of light. If they were space aliens, they'd need to know about the physics of moving at or near the speed of light. Right. Well, let's talk about that. So I think if I, if I recollect, whatever. If you recollect um, correctly? Cap- yes, exactly. Correct. When the captain cut us off, we were, we were talking about... Um, the Lee, Lee's assertion was that to approach and then pass, surpass the speed of light, it took an infinite amount of energy. And so me trying to be uh, an a-hole, what I, what I said Fantastic. is... Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So what I'm saying is that to reach the speed of light with anything that has mass requires an infinite amount of energy now passing the speed of light is impossible and uh being at the speed of light is possible with a finite amount of energy if you have no mass which is how photons work right okay and and i I was trying to to add on or defeat or something um like i said generally be an a-hole and and uh, we were using the the analogy i was applying was using the captain uh as a as an object uh with mass mass. could be anything an object of what? mass. Oh, yeah. Did you call me an ass? No, I'm saying that uh, I don't live in mass. Oh, you, you're goodness. not a asshole. Yeah, we went through that. You're not a asshole. Right. Um, right. Okay. Um, so I, I use the example of if the captain was in space, and we'll give him a space suit. We're not, we're not the... Uh, Savages. Uh, Intergalactic uh, captain. Yes. Sweet. And so the captain is floating around doing a, doing a space walk, and he's, a, and he's a, in his space suit. And he, relative to his own, relative, what what about Mark? Just just continue. Relative to his own um, self, he's not he's not moving, and so we are now going to accelerate. So yeah, if he is his point of reference, then he is definitely not moving, like by definition. Right Right. now, we're going to accelerate the captain, and we're going to make him go from zero. Okay, well then we have a different point of reference. What, what do you mean? In order to accelerate the captain, he has to not be the point of reference. 
Uh, okay, so so why does he not? Okay, so for example, in order to see the world as something that goes around the sun, the Earth can't be the point of reference. You can use the sun as the point of reference and then say that the Earth rotates around the sun and that works. You can use the center of the galaxy as a point of reference and well, say that the Earth re- rotates the around the, the sun. Galaxy or the sun or the Earth. He can. You just can't accelerate it. So the point of reference cannot move. That's what makes it a point of reference. Well, I already gave you that. See, I'm ahead of you. The point of reference is the point in space which the captain occupied before. Okay, so the captain himself is not the point of reference, just where he where he starts. Space I formerly occupied. Okay. Point A stands. Captain stands on point A in space. Then captain leaves point A. Point A still exists. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Go on. To accelerate him, we're going to accelerate the captain to the massive speed of one mile per hour. Okay. Towards point B. You're, yeah, or towards any point. We don't care where he goes. We'll Who call it point B. Captain? Who cares where the... Yeah, point B, okay. That's a strip club um, in Vegas, by the way, point B. Nice. There, exactly. That's where I figured you would go. whole bunch so, of A's it, at point right. B. And we got, we, we, we got, we got millennia. In fact, we got like little T at that. years to... Ex- TNA. What? Big T. What? There's a lot of TNA, TNA at uh, point B, but big, go on. Big T. Yes, there, yes, there is. Yes, there is. So, A-cup and we have 15 billion years... We have 15 billion years to accelerate the captain from zero miles per hour to one mile per hour. And so the, to, to get to the first step here, and we don't even have to do any more after, after we, we can do another phone call. Thank goodness. Just to get from zero to one mile per hour, and we got 15 billion years to do it, it doesn't take much energy, right? Okay. Depends on what you mean Agreed much, so far. But okay. I get what okay, you're, what so you're driving now, at. Captain sneezes now. and accelerates backwards right. towards point B. Yeah, that, that could yeah. do it. Right. Okay. So now we want to get from one mile an hour to uh, 232, what is it, 232,000 or 200, whatever. Yeah. The the speed of light. 232. Anyway, it doesn't matter. In David's case, the speedo of light. The speedo of light. Why does the speed of light have to be in metric, by the way? Huh? Oh, I don't know. Anybody, but but to Captain's point, yes, I rock a speedo uh, better than uh, anybody on the panel tonight. So please check me out at uh, facebook.com slash David Olson 333. Oh, it's on Facebook now? I thought it was still yeah. on X. Yeah. No, no, so, yeah, oh, here's oh, the thing. Man. Using space as your point of reference, yeah, moving him from zero to one takes the least amount of effort. Moving him from mm-hmm. 288,000 whatever to that last one takes the most amount of effort. Okay, why? Why? Physics. Diminishing well, returns. Because you know, there no, are, no, because no, there no, are no. laws show, written show into your, the fabric show, show of reality. Show, show your work. Show your work. Okay, why do magnets repel the same side? Uh, you're using an analogy. I'm really not. I'm really not. Pardon? I'm not using an well, analogy. Well, I'm saying that they literally the have the same... That the answer of why the north side of a magnet repels the north side of a magnet is the same answer to why it takes more energy the closer you get to light speed. Okay, okay, well, wait a minute. The north side of a magnet to the north side of a magnet, you're talking about uh, an an electrical field, a magnetic field. What does a magnetic field have to do with accelerating an object that's not currently being affected by any magnetic field? Magnets? How do they work? 
Well, for one thing, uh, you, magnetic Jack. fields are generally how we accelerate things. Like uh, if he sneezes, like I do. right, the magnetic field of what he is forcing out of his face hole is pressing on his face, and that's what's accelerating him in that direction. So I that's disagree. all. That's all magnetic interactions. Will the no. sneeze actually move him in space? If there's um, nothing to it press depends. Against? So if it if it it would move him right up until it hit his mask, and then it would move him in the other direction and cancel out. Right. If okay. I were able to survive in space without a mask and I sneezed, that sneeze would be enough to perpetually move me well, in the negative. You know, what is it uh, pressing in the space. equal and opposite direction right. of the spittle? Just like uh, the astronauts wear these uh, air packs on them, yeah. and in order to maneuver around when they're doing you know okay. maintenance uh they they let a little bit of air out to direct okay. them and steer them it's the same effect as that it's just coming from the human lungs instead of coming from a mechanical apparatus i got right. it but if, what's what's the gas in space that your oxygen is pressing against to cause that opposite reaction i don't know it's not the pressing nap, against yeah. a gas in space okay. it's pressing yeah. against in this case his uh his nose okay so it's it, the yeah the uh got the it. pressure is happening between the gas that is in Captain's lungs and, his face. and then face okay. and his lungs and face. I'm clear. Continue. Clear as mud, David? Huh? I, I didn't know if I was still here or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I, yeah. I the, oh, oh, right, right. So, uh, to relate this back. Crisis. Yeah. The, so, that's magnetics causing uh, a, a change in motion. And that's really the standard way is one form or another of magnetics. Wait, wait, like, if wait, you wait, jump... Wait, wait. It's because there's a magnetic repulsion between your feet and whatever you're jumping on. You're going to have a hard time. No, 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 no. no. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, but I I, I don't blindly accept that. In order to accept that, and it's possible that I could, you'll have to explain to me how magnetics enters the equation because I don't see how magnetics... Okay, so there are four fundamental forces of reality. There's the strong force, the weak force, the gravitational force, and the electromagnetic force. And the force that okay, goes wait, 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 through stop, you. Stop. In, the inter- in the interest of science, I thought the weak force was gravity. No. What is the weak force then if it's not gravity? So the weak force is what causes all of the atoms to fly apart. So like uh, carbon uh, uh, testing data, for example, the reason that people do that is because the weak force is causing uh, the protons to eject from certain isotopes of carbon at a certain rate. So the weak force okay. is what keeps the the atoms from holding together forever. Okay. I, I, now I the strong force that. is what holds them together in the first place, and as Got you it. might imagine, much stronger than the weak force. I thought the weak force was like a young Anakin, and the strong force was like the aging Yoda. Uh, no, the strong the weak force is is uh, the captain. At the topless bar in Vegas, and the strong force is the uh, girl before him. Even though I have more mass. Correct. Okay. Well, yeah, you have. Glad we showed that. E equal E equals M C squared. You might have more mass, but she has the other thing. Energy. Yeah, that's true. It rhymes with that's true. (laughs) Those strippers have way more energy. Yeah, fact. Yeah, trust me, I dated a few. All right, David. Well, thank you for being here, but now you're not here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're gone. He was here once, and was, now he's gone. Hey, I believe that, that we have established no. okay. that the strippers have more energy and less mass than you. We've yeah. All we've all we've really gotten to the bottom of is: Do I have mass? Yes. Oh. Do I have orbit? No. 
<laughs> right? I don't have enough mass to like have my own orbit, at least not yet. But anyway. your mom does. Well, or okay. did. And like, <laughs> and I'm good with the whole like I don't blate. I, I don't just blindly accept this idea. Okay, great, cool. Do you have a better one? Do you have a theory that has more explanatory power than this one? Is that required? Yes. Okay. Like, otherwise, you're just, I disbelieve, just because. It's like, okay, well, so quantum physics, for example, is why your phone works. Okay. Like, if quantum physics was not at least a pretty good description of how reality was, then they couldn't have uh, quantum tunneling diodes. I was speaking more in generalities because a lot of what we get from status, right, is, well, how would you do it? And then yeah. libertarians run off into the, like, well, this is how I would centrally plan things direction. And I don't think that that second part is necessary to reject the state. Right. They, they run into, like, one of a bazillion possibilities, right? Because none of us actually knows right. what life looks like in the absence of the state. Because the state won't allow us to explore these right. ideas. So I don't well, think I have to come so up with a better theory. I to actually don't yours. think I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that. Excuse uh, me. So I, I think that there's a, a gray between pure statism and pure free market. And you get to experience what more state-like behavior and what more market-like behavior is. And what we see is that the more market-like a behavior is, the greater it is at wealth production. Yes. And the more state-like a behavior is, the greater it is at everything we hate. Oppression. Yes. Right. Oppression, violence, uh, free evil is basically what that generates. So, sure, we may not know what absolute free marketism is, and maybe absolute zero doesn't exist, but we can theorize what absolute zero would be like because we experience the difference between hot and cold. So if if that's the dichotomy... And the state's goal is nice to, word. Love that word. If the, if the state's goal is to milk you of production, mm-hmm. and they know they'll get more production well, out of you, milk in the you free of market. production, and to control you. Okay. So not only do they want to get some of your production, but they also want to make sure that some of your production is not going where they don't want it. So they so they have to balance free markets with oppression. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's why we have uh, a democracy. They've found that this is the most effective way of making people believe that they are free when they are, in fact, not. Okay. Why right. hasn't North Korea figured it out? Because they seem to be the most oppressed, the less free market. Because they're busy, um, what's the word, demonizing South Korea. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right. So okay. uh, politicians, like, I mean, and like maybe I'm oversimplifying here, but politicians do this fun thing called divide and conquer. Okay. Right? Uh, you just convince the the pitchfork people uh, that the torch people want to take away their pitchforks, and you convince the torch people that the pitchfork people want to take away their torches. No, I get it, but I don't think Kim Jong Un's a dummy, right? So if if he wants to be like a bigger part of the world stage, yeah, he ought to open up North Korea to more market phenomenon, so he can extract more productivity from his people, and he doesn't. It's a good question. Well, his system actually requires that he doesn't do that. Go on. Yeah, so it's wacky. There's this whole. Um, Okay, you know how uncanny valley works, right? Uh, yes. Where, like, if it is, you know, definitely human, then it's good and happy and relatable. And if it's different enough, then, oh, look at that robot. It's cute. Right. But there's this weird valley in between where no one wants to see that happen. It's like, it's 
too human-like, but not human-like enough. Right. So the same thing happens in systems of government, whether you're extracting a natural resource where you want the most totalitarianism, or whether you're extracting the resource of the people's productivity, so what's the where you want the most appearance of freedom. How much is government extracting from you? Give us a call. It's 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is on the way. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Thank you for listening and tuning in to this Saturday night edition of Free Talk Live. We are a live calling talk radio program where you can call and talk about whatever's on your mind. The telephone number is 603-283-6160 if you'd like to join us tonight. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Pickless Mountaineer. And Rich Rich. And before we go on, I want to say thank you to Awkward Segway. <laughs> That's right. Awkward Segway is how do they know? Is the name of a person who is uh, an amplifier of this show. What does it mean to be an amplifier of the show? Well, you can go over to amps.freetalklive.com and find out all about the AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. And essentially, the program helps us get onto more radio stations. So if you like the hosts, the co-hosts, the topics, the perspective of freedom, peace, liberty, that we bring to the table. If you like the callers and the flavor of the show and you want to help spread the message of liberty, please become an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. We only ask for five bucks a month. You can give more. It's a Patreon type of a setup. So depending on what you give, you get some little benefits, some perks, if you will, uh, for being an amplifier. But the reason you should amp is because you want to help spread the message of liberty and get us on more radio stations. We're on 180 or so stations right now. We could be on more. 200, 300, 400 stations, not out of the question. It's all up to you. And thank you again, Awkward Segway, for your contribution. We appreciate you. Again, visit amps.freetalklive.com. I always appreciate an awkward segue. Yeah, especially if it's like, if it's one of those that, you know, the guy bought it new and now it's seen better days. It's crashed into a few uh, merry-go-rounds and, oh, you know, man. that kind of a thing. Awkward I've broken segue. so many segues. <laughs> Oh, not the of course. different kind of segue? Well, oh. hold on. Which one was awkward segue? Was it S-E-G-U-E or S-E-G-W-A-Y? I'm, I'm waiting for S-E-G-W-E-I-G-H. Hey, there you it go. It tells you how much you weigh as you're rolling down the sidewalk. I once clipped a branch like that was sticking out of the recycle bag on you know off to the side of the sidewalk, and I went flying. That does sound like an awkward segue. <laughs> Wait, sounds like an awkward pilot. Was the segue all right? 
Uh, I don't know. Well, it was it was banged up a little bit. Okay, but I, I have broken several. So so you have literally had an awkward segue. Yeah. Nice. Do we have picks? No. Oh. Well, it didn't happen. Damn. Well, those are the rules. That's fine. Um, hey, uh, better, you, better than I don't have to pay them back. You hey, guys, you guys you are you guys are libertarian types, right? Types, sure. Uh, and libertarian types aren't necessarily known for getting up early at the crack of dawn and like getting a start on their day and all that kind of stuff, right? Not known for it, but my alarm goes off pretty early in the morning. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not known for it personally. No, I yeah. Uh, if I were if I didn't have to set an alarm for anything, I would just sleep until whenever. And that's probably, I don't know, noon or something like that, right? You know, when my body gets around to like, hey, I think you've slept enough. It's time to wake up now. Uh, you know, it might be, you know, midway through the day or something like that. If uh, I sleep past eight, I feel like I wasted the whole morning. So if you, uh, if your alarm goes off or you normally wake up at X, whatever time that is. Ten. And you decide to just sort of not get out of bed for a while. You're not really going back to sleep. Well, you're just kind of lying there, right? And you're like, oh, I don't really want to get up. I'll just lay here for a little while. Yep. What do you call that? Hmm. Laziness. It's called, there's a term for it. Oh. Hmm. It's called Herkel Durkle. Okay. Herkel Durkle? Herkel Durkle. Is this the word of the day? I, I crap you not. Yes, this is the vocabulary word of the day. That was an awkward segue into the vocabulary word of the day. Hence the term, right? right. I figured we'd lead right. with the awkward segue into the awkward segue. Got it. Right? There we well go. played. Herkel dash Durkle, uh, both with the useless English E at the end of each of the words. So Herkley Durkley. Hey, hey, hey. If you take that E away, I'll know that it's an app. Or German. Uh, Verb. To lay around in bed long after you should have got up. From the Scots. So it's a Scottish word. To Herkle Durkle is to lounge around in bed long after you should have gotten up. So it's actually Herkle Durkle. Herkle Durkle. (laughs) Herkle Durkle. Right, yeah. Oh, it's got a bit of the Hurkle Durkle. There you go. Nice. It's not having any crack. Leave it to the, the double-bearded bastard to give us the Scottish <laughs> to, to wake up and not get out of bed. That's the oh, that's the definition? Of Hurkle Durkle. Like okay. a lot of words that crop up, Hurkle Durkle is an old dialect term, in this case, one from the 18th century southern Scotland. It's one of the earliest records, or one of its earliest records comes from John Jameson's Etymological Dictionary of the Scottish Language in 1808. Herkel Durkle, to lie in bed or to lounge after it's time to get up or go to work. That is the the word of the day. So, here you go. All right. Uh, Jameson points to Dirk or Dirch, an old Germanic word for the hold of a ship, as the word's probable origin perhaps seeing some kind of etymological connection between someone lurking in bed and someone lurking in the dim, grimy bottom of a ship. He should really try changing his sheets more often, says the author. So anyway, there you go. Herkle Durkle. Do you Herkle Durkle? Uh, not usually. Do you Herkle Durkle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a yeah. Herkle Durkler. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good band name. The Herkle Durklers. Right? Nobody would know what it meant. And then, like, your stage setup is just, like, a bunch of, like, Murphy beds or something. And so before it's time for you to go on, it's just all the band members laying down. Yeah, I have open for Oakley Doakley. <laughs> yeah, I, I have what you call bad sleep hygiene. Like good sleep hygiene. You don't wash your is, sheets? No, no, no. <laughs> you would think, right? But no, good sleep hygiene is when you only use your bed for nookie and sleeping. Uh, oh, okay. I do not. Okay. I use it for everything. What, kitchen table? Uh, yeah, from time to time. I mean, like, what other things can you use well, your bed for? I was in a small apartment, and I had that same setup. Right? Yeah. Like, I didn't have space for a sitting area. Yeah. So I sat on the bed, 
and I watched TV like sitting up on the bed, and I slept sure. on the bed, and my food was like on the table that oh, was attached to the so bed. So we're talking about futons. Wait, quick question. Is Herkel Durkle a, a noun or a verb? Verb. Verb. Yeah. Okay, Two so Herkel when Durkle. I Herkel Durkle, when I am Herkling Durkling, is... Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll, it, I'll reach Herkling over to my phone, turn off the alarm, and then poke around on my phone for the next hour. Okay. That's how that's how I Durkle my Herkles. Okay. I mean, as long as your Durkles I'm Durkling are, around on my Herkling phone. As long as your Durkles are getting Herkles, right? right? Like, who right. cares, right? I mean, that's the important part. Like, I get up, get ready, and then may return to the bed to play some video games, or I will go to the couch and play some video games before uh, work. Uh, so your bed is also your uh, video game... <laughs> Uh, yeah, like so preferred area. It's not even the preferred area. It's just the that's definition where I here do it says on says mm. you may be a Herkel Durkler. I may be because it says to Herkel Durkler is to lounge around in bed longer after you should have gotten up. Well, so but if I have you're, gotten up and then I return. But but if right, but if you're in bed, if you're lounging in bed long after you should have gotten up, right. I think playing video games in bed after you like. You know, you got up, you hit the John, you came back, oh, I'm going to play some video games now. Yeah. I think that still qualifies as Herkle Durkle. Okay, but sometimes I do it on the couch. So is it still Herkling and Durkling? Only if you slept on the couch. Okay. Yeah. Nope. So if you played the video game until you fell asleep on the couch, and then you woke up, hit the John, came back, and continued playing video games, okay. you might be a Herkle Durkler. Okay. I wouldn't count it. But I also, I do I do everything except get dressed. Like I wake up, you you know, hit the john, brush my teeth, get my food ready to go for you know my lunch ready to go for work, and then like once the only thing left for me to do before I walk out the door is like put on clothes, right? Then I go lounge and play video games. Well, do you ever nod off? No, never. Okay, well then you're not Herkel Durkling. Okay, I wouldn't count that as Herkel Durkling. Mm. No, you have to wake up and then not get out of bed. Like two requirements here: the Herkel yeah. and the Durkle. The definition is to lay around in bed long after you should have gotten up. Right. Yeah. But he I've, gets up. I get I get my alarm goes off at six thirty. I don't return to the bed until like somewhere between seven and ten after seven. Like I, I get everything done except get dressed. Cause like, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Like you wake up in the middle of the night, you go hit the john, you crawl back into bed. Well, right? I don't think that counts as a Herkel Durkle. Well, I don't think that it eliminates a Herkel Durkle either, right? So if you wake up at whatever time and you hit the john and you come back. You crawl no, back say into that bed. Counts. You crawl back into counts. bed. I'd say you've dehurkled your durkle. Once you go to the bathroom. Now, no. if you get up, go to the bathroom, go back to bed. <laughs> if you nod off for a second, like if you just sort of like, mm. no, 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 and then you wake up again, then that is a second time waking up, and no. then you can hurkle durkle from there until you gotta go to the john again. No, I don't even think it's got to go. It says long after you should have gotten up. Like, right. You, right. When right. you hit the john in the middle of the night, that's not when you should have gotten up. Okay. Right. Like, when if, you should have gotten up is when there's Right, like, but the if you don't go back to, to sleep, if you don't go back to sleep, then you're not lounging around in bed when you should have gotten up. Well, but if you get, okay, so if you get up to hit the john at like say four in the morning and right. you don't have anything to do until eight. Okay. Right, like eight's when you're supposed to wake up. You can't uh-huh. herkle durkle until after eight. Right. Yeah, so, correct. so what, what are you doing correct. between four and eight? Sleeping. No, not if you're not going back to sleep and just lounging around. 
Well, personally, you're not herkling or dirkling until after you. Should I think. Have well, personally, that. if I were in this situation, what would probably happen is I'd uh, I'd mess around on my phone for an hour okay. and then pass back out for All about right. three hours. I think that we have. Herkled, then I'd wake dirkled. up at eight, and then and only then can I herkle dirkle again. That's I what th- I'm saying. I think we have herkle dirkled this show. Like we should get on with the show long after we should have gotten on with the show already. And time for another awkward segue. So I've felt about this show all day. Uh, Free Talk Live (laughs) listeners, uh, we are asking you for a favor. Uh, As you may already know, uh, Ian Freeman, the founder of this program, is in jail. He's in Merrimack County Jail awaiting some sort of other fiduciary trial to determine uh, if and how much restitution he owes to the non-victims that he was uh, found guilty of not defrauding. Uh, by selling willing customers Bitcoin uh, and doing more to uh, make sure that he was doing it in a voluntary way and tracking uh, who his customers were than any bank ever has. Uh, But yet uh, they found it uh, necessary to send him to prison. Anyway, if you go visit freekeen.com, there's an article up there, I believe, written by Mr. Penguin, uh, and it will give you uh, directions on how to write letters to mr ian freeman uh, in prison is it pinned to the top i believe it is okay. uh, i haven't been there in a minute so mm, don't quote me on that All right. but it is there okay. uh, it should be relatively easy to find last time i, I was there uh, you could pull it up on your magic rectangle if you feel so inclined well it might still not might be pinned if no one wrote anything after that yeah i you know i'm, I'm not familiar but the directions are there it shouldn't take a lot for you to find uh, also if you wish to write to aria Demezzo, who is also uh, one of the other first chair co-hosts of this program. Uh, she is also in prison for uh, not getting government permission to sell Bitcoin, even though none was required because technology is new. And, uh, you know, there's never been any legislation that says, oh, in order to engage in this particular activity, you must get a license. It's just never been declared uh, up How until... How dare you think that you can yeah. just do something that's never been done before without getting a license to do a thing that's never been done before? Yeah. It's not pinned. It takes a scroll. Okay. Thank you. Uh, short scroll, I hope. Yep. Okay. Very well. So, uh, ariademezzo.com, she has posted uh, directions on how to write her. Uh, if you want to put some money on her books, That's that information is there as well. But uh, these are two uh, you know, uh, seasoned hosts of this show are currently in prison for the the crime of engaging in voluntary financial transactions so they could use uh your support you know even if you don't write them a letter send them a postcard from wherever you're at or just you know you're thinking about them say hello you know send them pictures whatever that kind of a thing so it's, it's up to you please give those guys a shout out they would appreciate it uh i want to get back to i just want to finish off this bit about this new york uh traffic camera racket if you will, 4.5 million tickets totaling hundreds of million dollars just this year alone. Uh, they but have, only 50 bucks per. They have some stats here. Uh, f- uh, here are the total sums of fines issued from SIL Live. That's whoever you know did the, the math on this. Uh, in Staten Island, uh, 312,083 violations issued, a total revenue of $15,604,150. What are they going to do if people get into compliance? Yeah, that's a good question. In We've Bro- lost our revenue. We need to make it up somewhere else. In Brooklyn, 1.4 million violations issued for a total over $70 million. 
Manhattan, 330,000 plus violations for more than $16 million. Queens, 1.7 million violations issued for more than $86 million. And in the Bronx, 676,000 violations issued for a total of $33,815,000 and some odd dollars. Does the fine scale? I assume. Like if, I, if I'm going to get busted going 10 over, right, I might as well do 60 and make the kids dodge. Oh, I see. I thought you were talking about, like, multiple offenses. I don't know about New York. I can only assume, as horrible as New York is, that they have something like a like a cascading or, or a build-up law. Yeah. Uh, some states have it where if you get a certain number of misdemeanors, uh, then automatically you're being charged as a felon. Okay. Right? Whatever that number of 10, 15 yeah. different misdemeanors. And they're like, oh, look at all these misdemeanors. We're going to charge you as a felon now. Right. I can only assume New York has something like that. I don't know that for a fact. Do your own research. Talk to your own lawyers if you're in well, this kind of a kind if of. If it's a, a pay to place, if it's a pay to play scheme, though, right? You know, like you know you're you know you're going to get fined if you go speeding through this area, but the difference between like thirty miles an hour and sixty miles an hour doesn't increase the fine. Right. right? I see so, what you're saying. Then why slow yeah, down? Like, right. oh man, I'm already busted. Zip. Yeah. And it makes it more dangerous. What's the parking ticket here in Keene? Ten bucks, Ten bucks. regardless. Right. So. Yeah. You know, if you're going to spend the, ta- the day downtown, well, I think the meters limit you to like two hours a piece okay. uh, per meter. So you got to go out every two hours and either plug it or move your car or whatever it is or pay again. That kind of thing. So, uh, you know, if you're going to be there for more than hmm, five hours, right, uh, it might behoove you to just take the ticket because yeah. it'll be cheaper. And then challenge it. Yeah. And then mm. challenge it and ask for evidence and they can't produce any and then you'll win. Generally. But you do have to waste your time, so that might not be worth your 10 bucks. If you're not from Keene, just pay the ticket. Yeah, and that is actually an interesting uh, uh, part of this is like, sure, the people who are in Keene are, you know, basically the ones who are picking a fight at this point. Mm. So the fact that you're in New Hampshire, though, means that you can actually build on top of each other's victories. So all of these little things where, yeah, sure, it's just not worth your time to go to court over this one ticket. But it might be worth our time if we go to court over these tickets. You know, right. it's that it's that whole uh, prisoner's dilemma situation, right? So in the ordinary circumstance, everyone else is in like the prisoner's dilemma where they are pretty sure that the other guy's going to turn on them. Mm. So they may as well just try and turn on them anyway. Right. Well, that's why 50 bucks in New York is probably not that big of a deal for a right. New Yorker. Right. Right. And so nobody challenges it and they just continue to generate right. revenue. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that the New Yorker mindset that I am accustomed to actually would prefer that the cops continue to do what the cops do. Now, the New Hampshire mindset is leave me alone. I'm not hurting anyone. Whereas the New Yorker mindset is not that. So in their case, there'd be no point in challenging all of this. Mm. Whereas in our case, not only is there a point, it is an act of service to challenge your ticket in New Hampshire, where it's really not an act of service anywhere else that I'm aware of. And NYPD is just gigantic in numbers, right? Like third largest standing army on the planet or something. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of police, uh, you guys know that I spent 22 or so years in the Seattle area. Yep. Uh, this from Zero Hedge, uh, also by Tyler Durden. Seattle limits cops. Prolific cops- writer, that Durden. Yeah, he totally is. Uh, also, film star, right? Okay. You know, like, yeah. 
Uh, Seattle limits cops from knowingly lying after suspect commits suicide. This is a weird one because that sounds like good news. It yeah. does sound like good news because we've all talked about how uh, police can lie to you and, in fact, are trained to do so mm-hmm. in yeah. order to get you to do things like admit to something you didn't do or otherwise pigeonhole yourself. And this is why uh, this isn't legal advice, but why my uh, own personal stance is I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Mm. Right, cops going to pull me over and they're going to ask me questions. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions. Uh, And they're going to say some other stuff. And I'm going to say stuff like, am I being detained or am I free to go? And if they go, you're being detained. You're like, lawyer. Well, the legal advice (laughs) that speak a hole, the legal advice that is on on offer. And, you know, if you have a legal advisor, go ahead and double check this. But it is always don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they tell you it all up front. Everything you say can and will and will be used against you. Nothing you say can or will be used for you. Right. And the thing is, even if, in, and in fact, especially if you are completely innocent of everything that you think that they are going to pin on you, don't say anything because your testimony can lead to not only your arrest, not only your imprisonment, but the imprisonment of some other completely uninvolved party. They can take your piece of information, put it together with something you're completely unaware of that then frames another wholly innocent person. I don't remember the source, but there was a poll, and we've talked about it here on Free Talk Live a couple of times. There was a poll done of not just defense lawyers, but also prosecutors. Uh, And they were asked, hey, uh, can you cite a case? where the defendant would have been better off had he just talked to the cops at the time of stop or arrest or whatever it was. And none of them could cite one. There was never, ever a case in, like, all the lawyers that they pulled where, like, somebody would have been better off had they just started yapping to the police. And I'll just add real quick, it's it's a misnomer, I believe, that you have to be Mirandized before that takes effect. Right, like if they start yeah. talking to you and they haven't, you know, given you that anything you say can and will be used against. Oh, they don't. It, they don't have to. Right, right. They straight up do not have to right. tell you what your rights are. Right. Understood. So even more so, people was talking like, well, they didn't read me my rights. Doesn't matter. Right, right. They just know it up front. Keep your mouth shut. Yep. Zip it. Yeah. Now I I'll say I don't always take this advice. Okay. So, like, when I get pulled over, and given the kind of car I tend to drive, I get pulled over a lot. Okay. Because it really is just that simple. They, I look like a guy who can't afford a lawyer, which is accurate. But you're so driving get, a Lambo, right? Right. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> right. On the so ride. when I oh, get wait, pulled I'm sorry, over, Ferrari. I actually do cooperate. I, uh, when they ask me, where am I coming from? Where am I going? I do cooperate because a lot of the time they will just let me go. And if I straight off the bat, oh, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions, then this is probably going to get a lot thornier and take a lot more of my time. That is a tactical. And that that is the gamble. Yep. That is the gamble. I did recently get pulled over for doing a lot in an area where I was supposed to be doing a little. And uh, (laughs) I did talk, right? And the little got more and more? And uh, No. um, Like, whatever I said, uh, and it was just like, yeah, you know, my car is, it's only a V6. It doesn't, you know, I was just, I hammer on a little bit. It bogs down going up the hill. That's why, you know, I realized, you know. And so the guy, the guy runs my license. He comes back. He just throws it in the car. He's like, thanks. Have a nice day. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, I must be free to go. So I went and that was it. Right. But that was like 
the most unusual thing that I've ever done. Normally, I'm just like, they're like, hey, how's it going today? I'm like, fine. And they're like, can we see your papers? I'm like, sure. And I'll hand them the papers. And if there's anything after that, you know, I'll be like, uh, you know, they look like one time I got pulled over. They looked in the car. I got like a backpack in the passenger seat on the floor. They're like, what's in the bag? And I'm like, I don't think I have to answer that. And they just moved on to the next question. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions. They're like, okay. And then they took my license, went back and came oh, back no. and gave me a ticket or whatever. Right? Yeah, usually those are the only ones they ask me is, where are you coming from and where are you going? Yeah. I make I make them miserable. Like my general, you hand them the pocket constitution, right? But my general philosophy is like every minor inconvenience. I got to get like a case of those to keep in my car. Do you have any spares? No, no, I just got one. Like when they were giving them out for free. But so you know, if I want them to remember me the next time, right? Like I don't want them to bother. I want their interaction with me to be like the worst interaction they've ever. When they're behind you, like no, not this guy again. Right, but I will, you know, I will, I will do the window. They crack. pull up your recent pullover record. Yeah. They're like, talk yeah, to no. Bob, talk yeah. to Jim, talk. Yeah. This guy's a creep or whatever. No. Right? I will do the window crack. I will pull all the way over to like just right on the line. Yep. So that they have to stand on the road to talk to me. They come around the other side of the they car. They come around the other side, yeah. and I just, I just tap the door. I'm like, I'm not answer. I'm not talking to you on that side. Yeah. The window's cracked over here. You come stand on the road, and if you get hit, that's your problem. You like you pulled me over. You asked for this. Now, New Hampshire, you have to change lanes if they've stopped you. And I have been pulled over for not changing lanes when they had someone pulled over. Okay, well that's that's if someone's already being pulled over. Yeah. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. If you'd like to join us, uh, our number three of Free Talk Live is coming up. Still to come. What's up with the European Union's? Uh, What do we call it? Uh, Social credit score. Free Talk Live. Yes, we're kicking off hour number three of tonight's edition of Free Talk Live. We need more audience participation. Live from New Hampshire, it's Saturday night. And now the lawsuits. Let's see if that works. Oh, it's a parody. Oh, okay. There he is. All right. Yeah. All right. And I said New Hampshire, too, so okay. it's not even close to themes. Right. Well, I mean, the reason that uh, radio stations wouldn't cover parody, wouldn't carry parodies is because the radio station is definitely making money. So it's pretty easy at that point to be like, well, you're making money. You played this. The reason you're making money is because advertisers know you have an audience. Therefore, I'm waiting to see what happened. There's at least one parody artist I'm familiar with that has um, published their parody under what's known as uh, uh, it's not pastiche. It's a derivative work. Mm, right, uh, so this is this is what uh, back in the day uh, the the rappers invented sampling. Yeah, they would sample a bit back of a rap was a, good. A, a rock mm. song and put it into their into their song and then but make a whole new song around it. But they're using you know like the chorus of a popular that little rock bitty song or whatever. It's not the same. Uh, so they've they've called that derivative work. Right, okay. you're you're creating a new work, but you've derived it from pieces of another piece of work that already exists, and so they got to figure out how many micro pennies 
right? Royalties go to the author of the original work versus the author of the current work using the sample, et cetera, and so on. So I'm waiting to see what happens there. Uh, none of the independent distributors. So as an independent artist, I don't have label help. I don't have you know the backing of attorneys on a record label for this kind of a stuff. So as an independent artist, there are like zero that I'm aware of. If you're aware of any, call 603-283-6160. But there are zero uh, independent publishers who will allow you to just upload parody works and then take the risk that you're going to get sued. Now, most parody works aren't, aren't going to be so popular that it's going to have any financial impact against the original artist anyway, uh, with the exception of like... Weird Al, right? Because he's the biggest, most popular, and like he's the only one that could maybe potentially have some financial impact. However, there's something known uh, now as the Weird Al bump, right? And this is the opposite of that theory. So government would have you believe that if I write a parody song of some popular song uh, and I make fun of it and change the lyrics up a little bit, uh, that me making that song is going to have a negative financial impact on the album sales or the airplay of uh, the original artist, right? The Weird Al bump, however, negates that or says, nope, not true, because whenever Weird Al does do a parody of somebody else's already successful pop song, that pop song and artist and album all increase in airplay and sales. Mm -hmm. So they they are actually getting a benefit from Weird Al making a parody of their songs. It's the only reason why I like Miley Cyrus. And I mean, if you think about it, that's obvious. I mean, of course. Right. So, like, if there's some some little phrase, you know, some little word that people have invented under pressure. So, if that oh. word, that phrase, whatever, gets used, then it picks up, and then it gets more play, right. and then it becomes part of the language, maybe. Right. That's how communication works. Whereas, if you've got your little thing that, oh, well, you and I, we know that this means this. But no one else ever picks it up. Well, then it dies with us. Right. Right. That's how communication works. So, of course, there's going to be a bump for parodying the thing. It well, makes sense to me. But they need to financially benefit from it. Right. Like they if, if, literally sell more albums as a of result. the song that got parodied because of people going, right. that song's great. So What's Weird the Al, original like? Weird Al makes Maybe. fun of Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's album sales increase as a result of Weird Al making his parody. Right. I get the concept, but what I'm saying is if it becomes part of like the culture, it doesn't necessarily mean the artist gets paid more. The producers might get paid more. The label might get paid more. Right. Well, that's, I don't. That's, yeah, that's I don't know about. I don't know about how it's labels. all how it's all divvied up. Right. What I'm oh, saying is it, that but, there is a Weird Al bump, and yeah. the Weird Al bump says that when he parodies somebody else's songs, that somebody else sees an increase in revenue. Okay. So what you're of pointing their out original is that, song. that that increase in revenue might get sucked up before it gets back to the original creator. That's what I'm suggesting. Correct. Yes. And the, and that conflict has and been I'd like say within that, the music uh, industry you are for decades. Mostly and that's right. because of IP law. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would say that you are mostly right, which is about as right as I have ever seen you be. Oh, bazing. Oh, Mark one for peakless. But yeah, most of it does get sucked up by the like, record producer, the contractors, all oh, that. Oh, it's a little warm but over there. But some of it, some of it is there's a guy, man, I've never heard the song he's parodying. I love Weird Al. Gets totally into Lady Gaga and then goes to a Lady Gaga show and here's the crucial part buys the merch once he gets there okay because that's where they make their money right uh before we go on i want to tell everybody that this hour of free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash 
Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Are you tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? I know I am. I am, too. You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. I mean, I, I know I like getting a coupon, man. You know, so like if I can go to Amazon and buy something for 20 bucks, but I can go to bitrefill.com, use my dash, get something for 18 bucks. Why wouldn't I? Right? right. If it takes me two more seconds or minutes or whatever to, you know, do this transaction by a gift card. Why wouldn't I? What about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that and they can send dollars to your bank account, too, just in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and it's available in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and easy to use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And thank you, big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. That's Dash.org. All right. So there's all sorts of uh, hubbub and, you know, talkings about uh, the CBDC and uh, social credit scores mm-hmm. and government ID and surveillance and all that kind of stuff. By the way, uh, a piece of good news that, I mean, bad news always travels faster, but uh, may have gotten overlooked. Like, uh, so you know how Zimbabwe was uh, like right on board with the CBDC? Yeah, it turns out it didn't work. Huh. Yeah, yeah, it was such an absolute fiasco that they have completely backed off. That's interesting, considering so, we've got like one the $1 trillion dollar Zimbabwe note on the board. <laughs> we do. Oh, how be, how much worse is that countries. CBDC thing worth? Or not. Uh, this from last-chance-4-eidas.org. Uh, Reliable we'll, source. Yeah, we'll post this in uh, uh, all of our social media. Uh, before the show's over, or maybe when it's over. Uh, Last chance to fix EIDAS. Secret EU law threatens internet security. Over 500 cybersecurity experts, researchers, and NGOs sign an open letter sounding the alarm. This is dated November 2nd of 2023. After years of legislative process, the near final text of the EIDAS regulation has been agreed by trialogue negotiators representing EU's key bodies and will be presented to the public and Parliament for a rubber stamp before the end of the year. New legislative articles introduced in recent closed-door meetings and not yet public envision that all web browsers distributed in Europe will be required to trust the certificate authorities and cryptographic keys selected by EU governments. Sorry, it wasn't uh, Zimbabwe. It was Nigeria. Ah, Very well. All right. Uh, These changes uh, in the EU radically expand the capability of EU governments to surveil their citizens by ensuring cryptographic keys under government control can be used to intercept encrypted web traffic across the EU. So they're breaking encryption. Any EU member state has the ability to designate cryptographic keys for distribution in web browsers and browsers are forbidden from revoking trust in these keys without government permission. Trust us. You must. Yeah. Or else. You don't have any choice. Yeah. This enables the government of any EU member state to issue website certificates for interception and surveillance, which can be used against every EU citizen, 
even those not resident in or connected to the issuing member state. So, okay, hold on real quick. Yep. If it's going to break encryption, even if they make it a law, uh, what is the likelihood that they find browser makers or software developers compliant? You can't break encryption. You can't put a back door in. For well, the government only. So this is why they're issuing cryptographic keys to the government. So I, this is basically a permanent backdoor to I any browsers it. issued in the EU. But any any permanent backdoor that's created will eventually be exploited by hackers. Correct. So you can't do it. Like it, if they do this, then all encryption is broken forever. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of compliance. Well, while you're that using, is exactly what's going to happen in the EU. Right. While you're using you think the browser, browsers. Uh, well, do you think the browser makers are going to like comply or just yes. not distribute in the EU? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I think that the the big names are going to comply. Uh, okay. Your Googles, your Microsofts, and a bunch of them will simply stop distributing in the EU. You'll have okay. more questions. There is no independent check or balance on the decisions made by member states with respect to the keys they authorize and use that they put them to. This is particularly troubling, given that adherence to the rule of law has not been uniform across all member states. There you go. With documented instances of coercion by secret police for political purposes. You must use Chrome. So currently, uh, at least according to this, the most danger that you could have is the state using this for their own surveillance purposes. Uh, Which is why they're putting in a back door. Right. Yeah. The text goes on to ban browsers from applying security checks to these EU keys and certificates except those pre-approved by the EU's IT standards body known as ETSI, E-T-S-I. That's the European something standard body. Uh, The rigid structure would be problematic with any entity, but government-controlled standard bodies are especially susceptible to misaligned incentives in cryptography. Etsy, in particular, has both a concerning track record of producing compromised cryptographic standards and a working group dedicated entirely to developing interception technology. The introduction of this text so late in the legislative process and behind closed doors is also deeply concerning for democratic norms in Europe. Although the deal itself was publicly announced in late June, the announcement doesn't even mention website certificates, let alone these new provisions. So it's just going to be it's just going to be mass non-compliance on the user level. This has made it extremely difficult for civil society, academics, and the general public to scrutinize or even be aware of the laws the representatives have signed off in private meetings. So like how people in China break through the Great Firewall. Right. Right. Like you 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 if you're in the if you're in the EU, you're either using Edge or something from Google or the Mozilla Foundation. Right. But even Google's Chrome browser is, you know, a branch of a open source browser. Yep. So you just use the open source browser that doesn't have the back door in it yep. and then, you know, don't tell anybody. Yeah. So there's there's the question about this is, uh, OK, so and this has everything to do with our first story. Right. So, yeah, if uh, if uh, a third or whatever of the people getting tickets went, no, then it would clog up their system to the point that they'd probably have to change something. Sure. In the same way, like, if enough people just say no to what they're attempting to do here, which what they are attempting to do, make no mistake, 
just as they have licensed everything else, they are attempting to make an internet license. Yes. And if enough people, like in China, when in order to get around the Great Firewall of China, use a virtual private network, then it doesn't work. Right. But if they get enough compliance where 99% of the population is allowing them to have the the internet informational superhighway driver's license, yep. the license to access information, the uh, listener's license, if you will. Right. If 99% of the population does that, then no matter how much that 1% of the population uh, fights against it, yeah, sure, they will still be able to have some access to information, and they will be perpetually terrorized by the governments. Yeah, uh, Britain already has the television license. Yeah. right. So if you have a television in your house, you subscribe to cable, or even if you don't, it's just OTA, uh, they put a, a thing, a device, it's, either... It's what? Uh, OTA over, over the, the air. air. OTA. Okay, thank Sorry, you. yes, I, I I use an industry term. Uh, OTA over the air. So like regular ass TV, right? Channel four, mm. channel eight, right? You know, just whatever you get, uh, you know, from your antenna, not from being plugged into a cable. Oh, you mean the ones that they used to put over the radio waves? Yeah, yeah, those are the ones. Uh, so at any rate, they already have uh, a license, a television license, and they have. Television licensed police. They have vans that go around and sit in neighborhoods. And look in people's windows. And look in people's windows. And that's not creepy. See if there's a TV going on. And if they don't have a license on file for that address or that apartment number or whatever, uh, they're they're going to come knock on your door. Uh, maybe even do more than knock. Right? So uh, it's not far-fetched for me to believe that something resembling that they would also attempt to put in for accessing the internet. If it's on browser side, I don't know how effective a VPN would be. Hmm? I said if it's on the browser, I don't know how effective a VPN would be. Because that information still has to get decrypted on the browser side. And if that's right. where the back door is... Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly it. So if you end up with 99% of the population using uh, Google, whatever the fuck that is... Oh, shit. Oh, he did it twice. You know, gosh darn Since it was going to get dumped, I may as well have done the second one. I think you must don the pin of shame. The pin of shame. <laughs> Put it in your beard or something. Wear it also, permanently. Should you ever cuss on the radio? Mm-hmm. Don't follow it up with a with another cuss as a way of going oops. Just say oops. Just you know, just try not to double cuss is really what I'm getting at. Well, I was just making you do your job. You did, and I did, and so hopefully it's done. <laughs> Wrong so, show, gentlemen. Wrong uh, show. Well, so, if 99% of the population uses whatever Google's browser is, and Google's browser has this backdoor in it, yep. then you only have like 1% of the population using some other browser. They have the resources to keep perpetually going after that 1%, no matter how defiant they are. Sure. If, on the other hand, you have like 80% of the population going, I'm not going to use Google. I'm going to use uh, Firefox or Brave or uh, DuckDuckGo or whoever else is is not using this particular add-on to their browser. If like four out of five people do that and go, yeah, it's annoying that I sometimes have to switch browsers for a website to load. But it's worth it to not do this annoying crap. Oh, I would never use a, the, the normal browser. Well, and like, 
this will uh, result, I th- I believe, in a spawn of what I like to call parallel networks. Okay. Right? So everybody thinks that the internet is singular, right? And to some extent, they're right. That's how it is currently uh, designed, implemented, and treated. But it doesn't have to be. Did you know that networking more than one computer together with another one is also a form of internet? Yes. And if you, parties. And, right. And if you can create an alternative network to, quote, the internet, unquote, mesh networks, for example, in small neighborhoods that relay between neighborhoods, right? So they, you know, they end up being, it's basically uh, nodes. So it's a distributed network. It but won't if, matter if compliance is at browser level, though, because what are you going to use to access that network? Uh, well, it won't matter because they can't police that network. So they're policing the browser. The back door is going to be on the browser. But that browser has to be on right. the so, internet, not the parallel internet. Well, what are you going to, what, again, what, are you, what software are you going to use to access the parallel internet? Uh, a browser that does not contain any ability to track. Okay. And then, so again, you could just use that, that browser is more, uh, is, is more the solution. Right. Then yes, changing totally. up to browser, VPN, Tor, you know, all the privacy things that go along. You're just going to see an uptick in all that. You're going to yeah. see an increase in the black and gray markets for these types of softwares. You'll probably see encryption based uh, blockchain browsers and that kind of stuff. Just like I originally installed Netscape Navigator, it came on CD. <laughs> uh, the article continues outcry across academia, civil society, and industry. Over 500 cybersecurity experts and researchers from around the world have signed an open letter calling for the EU to abandon these plans and safeguard the web. Yeah, because it, it, once that backdoor is there, everything is broken. Like, everything is broken. Yeah. A hacker will get it, and they will exploit it, because mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't create an exploit like that yeah. and only give it to the politicians. Well, and, of course, the, the biggest so hacker I, is I going actually, to be the politicians and the police. I do not care if that happens or not. Like, the politicians are the worst scum of humanity. And if they already have it, what difference does it make if a slightly smaller criminal also has this backdoor? Or if every criminal has this backdoor and not just the worst, most child-molesting, murderous... Words I'm not allowed to say. I, I was going to say, also, you're, you're speaking of politicians again. Yes, I am. <laughs> right. So they, if they already have the back door on this, they are the worst criminals. So what difference does it make if independent criminals gain access to what the biggest criminals yeah. have? I want In, no criminals to have any well, access to this right. whatsoever. Independent criminals will do more damage to an individual. No. Uh, the, government, the government will tax you. The independent criminal will empty out your bank account because it, it caught the traffic and the login information midway. Yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe, but I think uh, once once government attacks an individual, they could do far more damage than an individual hacker. Understood, but the government isn't going to go after everybody, right? They're going to target people who are political dissidents, right? Right. But a hacker is going to target somebody with grandma. a weak password or right. somebody they can social engineer or whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm, government goes after grandma plenty of the time. I get it, but they're not emptying grandma's bank account overnight. Do you know nothing about the IRS? Again, if we want, if you're talking about taxes, they don't take a hundred percent. They kind of do, actually. And they take like thirty, forty percent, fifty if you're in a higher tax bracket. They're not. They're not going into grandma's bank account 
and emptying it out. No, they're threatening grandma to kidnap her if she doesn't empty out her own bank account but for the next taking... 30 years. Understood. But that's that doesn't affect grandma on a day-to-day basis. If she wakes up the yes, next morning... Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If she wakes up the next morning and can't afford her medicines or food, that's far worse than the government... And you like think that doesn't a... happen when the IRS goes after them? I don't think the IRS is going to go after everyone like a hacker will. Oh, the IRS is incredibly indiscriminate. They go after the easiest ones to go after. Low-hanging fruit. Yes, they go after low-hanging fruit. And frequently, that is grandma. And no, they do not care if that means that grandma can't afford her medicine. Right, but they don't do that. They're not going to hack into grandma's bank account and make it so she has no money for the next no, day. No, of course not. That's my point. They're That's going what to, a hacker They're going will to do. make sure that she's fully aware that if she has money for the next day, they will put her in jail. Maybe. They yeah. don't do that to everybody. Hacker will wipe you out. Government. Hackers don't do that to everybody. Hacker, will, it's more hacker will, hacker will wipe will you out. That. Government will just make you their slave. And more people, it's more detrimental They're to get not wiped that out smart. overnight. 603-283-6160. More about this going on in the EU and more Free Talk Live is coming up. Thinking it was uh, Wayne's World. Doodly doo, doodly doo, doodly doo. <laughs> Party time! Excellent. I just like the Jack Black is you know an average guitarist, so anything that he can't do with his instrument, he just does with his mouth. He does, yeah, it's true. And he's got Kyle Gass to back him up too, so it's great. Yeah, it's, they've got that going for him, which is nice. <laughs> uh, just goes you. to show it's not about the leader; it's about the first follower. It is Free Talk Live. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. We're at the final segment already. This show has flown by. Uh, So if you want to get in, call now. Otherwise, forever hold your peace. Or at least until tomorrow night. Call twice if you think that'll work. (laughs) Don't know. We only take one call per night per caller. No, I mean at the same time. Oh, well, I mean, okay. You can if you think that'll work. If we haven't taken your call, just grab another phone and dial again. (laughs) Wow. Really, really digging the ditch deep there, pal. Uh, deep ditch pizza. Not deep dish. Deep okay. ditch, right? It's when you order the Bob Marley special, but the blue and reds come out behind you, so you chuck the whole pizza out the window. Do they pull it out of the oven with a shovel? Oh, maybe they do. Interesting. Uh, at any rate, we've been talking about this article from last-chance-4-eidas.org, uh, and it's talking about this secret EU law that threatens internet security by basically giving the government uh, backdoor cryptographic keys to all browsers. Worst kept secret ever. Uh, The outcry across academia, civil society, and industry uh, has over 500 cybersecurity experts and researchers who have signed an open letter calling for the EU to abandon these plans and safeguard the web. This is a little (coughs) segment from that. 
After reading the near-final text, we are deeply concerned by the proposed text for Article 45. The current proposal radically expands the ability of governments to surveil both their own citizens and residents across the EU by providing them with technical means to intercept encrypted web traffic, as well as undermining the existing oversight mechanisms relied on by European citizens. We ask that you urgently reconsider this text and make clear that Article 45 will not interfere with trust decisions around the cryptographic keys and certificates used to secure web traffic. Civil society groups have also backed the letter, including the Internet Society, European Digital Rights, the EFF, Epicenter Works, and many more. Their calls have also been echoed by companies that help build and secure the Internet using the Linux Foundation, Molvad, DNSO.eu, and Mozilla, who have put out their own statement. Uh, So this text is subject to approval of the final closed-door trialog meeting in Brussels on November 8th. That apparently has already occurred, after which it will be published and presented for formal ratification in the European Parliament. I hope the second letter is, even if you pass it, we will not comply. Right. I mean... Well, you should be in favor of this measure. Why? Well, consider your perspective on Twitter, for example. If you allow an absolute free speech, it will degenerate into the worst possible speech. On so Twitter, if yes. the Right. So if the, if the internet is free speech, then by its nature, it's going to degenerate into the worst possible speech. We should have a controlled platform so that it doesn't degenerate. I think you're conflating. I don't think... Uh, the internet is not necessarily a free speech platform as it is. Right. No. Okay. Can be? No, I would definitely say that it is as much of a free speech platform as it is possible to have. The internet? Yes. Yeah, any schmuck can put up like the worst possible website for, if they feel like it. For now, and my fear has right, always Right. Right, which my, means this should really be like, you know, yeah, I'm glad they're finally cleaning this up. That way we can have an internet because otherwise it will just degenerate. Well, there's, again, I think you're conflating, right? People will leave Twitter, and if the internet is overwhelmed with, like, you know, degeneracy that people cannot avoid, then yes, people will leave, right? Like, that's why there's already ad blockers. That's why you don't have, you know, pop-ups for porn sites anymore, Mm. because it wasn't serving the market. Well, isn't this just another version of that? But there are the, the, the hate platforms... Right, will soon find that they can't get hosting. Right, they they won't be able to get by a domain name. Right, they, like there's gatekeepers to the internet all the way around, and I'm not suggesting that they should, but they absolutely could, and that would that would break it. That would break the internet, but it would keep all those hate platforms off, and there will be people that will cheer for it because they don't want to see that. All right, uh, moving back into, we mentioned this uh, during one of the other segments, so I want to get to it. Uh, It's from Zero Hedge. Seattle limits cops from knowingly lying after suspects commit suicide. So we know that mm, cops are trained to lie to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can lie to you with no repercussions. However, if you lie to them, you can be found in all sorts of trouble. Yep. Uh, The city of Seattle has implemented a new policy that prevents police officers from knowingly lying to influence suspects. Now, knowingly, that's a a pretty big word, right? How do you prove knowingly lying, you know? Yeah, this seems like the sort of thing that just makes it uh, uh, more and more important to have ignorant police. 
So this uh, comes up after incidents in 2018 and 2020 may have contributed to a suicide and incited chaos during the the George Floyd protests, according to MyNorthwest.com. Following, uh, no, sorry. In the 2018 case, a a suspect in Seattle automobile accident committed suicide after a Seattle police officer lied in a ruse, falsely telling the man's friend that a woman was in critical condition from the crash. Oh, yeah. You bastards. Uh, This is an expert, or excerpt. See if I can talk today. So he was riddled with guilt, thinking that he had done some serious damage. The man, who has since been identified as Porter Feller, had fled from the scene of a multi-vehicle accident in May of 2018. Two officers followed up at the home his car was registered to, telling his friend Maggie Parks that a victim in the hit-and-run was near death, despite the fact that there were no actual injuries reported from the crash. One of the officers remarked to his partner, It's a lie, but it's fun. Okay. I mean, Honestly, this, this sounds like the fundamental nature of government. So even though... Uh, say, driving over the speed limit, did not harm anybody. You put everyone at risk, and that makes them victims. Well, if it's a hit and run, I'm less sympathetic toward this guy. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You get what you, you know, them's the brakes, man. Don't hit and run. But at the same time, double standard, right? If you, as the suspect, are not allowed, if you will, to lie to the law enforcement then it stands to reason that there should be no double standard and they should not be allowed to lie to you. I got it. But I, I would say that the, the running aspect of it, right, makes him an outlaw and not covered. Like well, he, yeah, I mean, in, in a in a free market, if you hit and run, I mean, your insurance company's canceling you. You're going to have a hard time getting insurance again, right, right all that kind of thing. But well, I, also, I also don't care about the repercussions and that's the that. thing you you can't have equality under the law and a monopoly on policing people. Right. Like you can have one or the other. Effective public safety requires community buy-in and this new policy is an important step to build understanding with the public demonstrating that for SPD operations to be successful, they must be paired with a commitment to unbiased constitutional policing. Oh said Harrell in a statement. This innovative new policy will lead to better police work thanks to the voices of many, including the media, who brought attention to this tactic. Um, okay. The fact that, so, the fact that they are saying the lie, that it is possible to have unbiased policing, just depresses me. Right, because, because obviously there's enough people out there that that is not an obvious impossibility. Right. You can't have unbiased, well, really anything. It's 2023. Do we really think that police lying to people uh, is going to generate a net benefit to human society? I don't think so. Well, Well, how else do we catch the terrorists, Captain? They are the terrorists. Oh. Peakless? Oh, that. I mean, if we're again, I'll bring it back to the prisoner's dilemma, right? If If they lie to get someone to admit something that they wouldn't have otherwise, Mm -hmm. and that person admits to a crime that they wouldn't have admitted to, and then you can take a violent criminal off the street, I could see a benefit. It's a lot of ifs. Yeah, actually, I mean, every violation of morality has a benefit. Okay. Yeah, stealing has an immediate benefit. Well, but this this is an example of where lying, where lying to a suspect 
to coerce well, let me, a confession. Let me let me let me run a counter justice. Let me run a counterfactual to you here. Okay. What if now open your mind real wide? We had police that we Why could did trust. Why Go. What's that? Well, it's too late. You missed okay. it. All right, I missed it. What if we had police that we could trust? Uh, they wouldn't be provided if. by government. That's well, sure. right, right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, that's the trade-off here. So, yeah, sure. You might catch that one person at that one thing, and then they admitted it instead of you having to prove that they did it. Yep. Or, but, or you could make a policy of not lying to people because you are putting yourself as a moral pinnacle. This article is very reminiscent of the article we covered, was it last week or the week before, about uh, the Denver uh, Colorado uh, Police Department forming their FAST uh, network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out if they have a bunch of focused people responding to uh, shootings within 48 hours of them happening, that they solve more crime. Who knew? Yeah. But now they're touting this in, in Denver as like, oh, we're innovative and we're the first. It's like, oh, to do your jobs? That's what this article yeah, is pointing to out. actually track the number of non-fatal shootings. Right. It never occurred to any police station to track the number of non-fatal shootings. So back to this article, according to Seattle PD Chief Adrian Diaz, the policy is the first of its kind in the U.S. and continues Seattle Police Department's long tradition of public safety innovation rooted in accountability and a commitment to building public confidence. I have to laugh at this because Seattle PD is not known for any of this. No. Well, now things will change. None of these words is it known for, nor has it ever been. And uh, despite their best PR people, I don't think it ever will be. Uh, Seattle PD has a, a long tradition of, well, basically beating the crap out of people for no reason. Uh, starting riots, uh, framing people, etc. and so on. Uh, and that's just uh, so you don't want them to institute this policy, regardless of its effectiveness. I, well, like, number one, it's not going to happen. How do I hold? Them so it doesn't matter. Well, right. It, it would be it would be after the fact, right? If if after the fact it comes to light that they lied to a suspect and caused harm, then now they now they can be held liable. My point is that none of this should have been allowed in the first frickin' place, and the fact that it's taken until 2023 for just even these words to come out in a print article, right, well, shows you all you need to know about how nefarious any statist organization is. Small victories, man. You gotta, you gotta be happy about this one. This is hopium. I, yeah, this, this is, is a, a victory. fake victory. Like, don't get me wrong. Would it be an improvement anytime? That even a single police force is encouraged to stop making up nonsense I mean, we and purveying it, in it to, to people. Sure. But number one, I don't think that's going to actually happen. Number two, there's no accountability if it doesn't happen. No, the accountability is after the fact. Someone has to have standing to bring a case. I'm sure that they will investigate themselves and find that there was no wrongdoing. As they Maybe. want to do. I mean, they, they, they brought this one to light in the media... Because they found wrongdoing and are now implementing a policy change for the better. And I'm sure it'll totally happen. I'm not saying it will, but this is this is like step one. Uh, what this if is. If you don't have step one, no, nothing step, changes. All, all Wait, step is, one is to, is to tell you that we're making improvements that we're not making? This is, are this they, is okay. classic, classic Hegelian dialectic problem, reaction, solution. Seattle police have created the problem. 
Now they're masquerading as the solution to the problem by putting forth placating words because they don't want the public to erupt after this person committed suicide. Yeah. Like you and I are arguing over whether or not there's a crutch, but they broke your leg in the first place. I got it. And they are offering what may or may not be a crutch. I got it. But if they don't give me the crutch, I can't walk. If they give me the crutch, at least I can limp along. You poor bastard. Uh, you poor limping bastard. Sorry. I, I, I sit corrected. Right. So if the, if the policy doesn't get implemented, they continue to lie. We know it. The general public eh, probably has a good idea. Yeah. Right. If they, if they implement well, the policy and don't follow it, then more articles like this will come out. It's like, hey, you guys said you were going to. We hope. And then you didn't. But if, the, if, they're, if they're creating the problem and offering the solution and you don't like the solution, right? I'm not saying you have to offer one. Uh, but what would be the solution if it's going to be public outcry? Well, the solution is, as always, change? competition. Right. You're not going to get competition. You can, well, actually. The government you definitely can. The uh, government suppresses all competition yes, in these matters. Yes, it does. So what's so? Stop you, giving them your money. Okay. I mean, quit that's a, giving your money to the financial institutions and the tax man. That's a great platitude, but again, doesn't really impact the average American citizen. All right, so uh, no segue here. Just moving on to the next article. This is from the Free Thought Project. Liberty activist indicted facing years in prison after entirely legal Facebook posts criticizing government. You guys are already familiar with this. This is a follow-up article. Constitutional <laughs> activist Joshua Martinez is being persecuted over what appears to be legal memes and unsubstantiated charges. In 2017, uh, the Free Thought Project brought you the story about constitutional activist Josh Martinez when he was arrested for refusing to give his age to police on a Nevada courthouse steps. He was attempting to enter the Lloyd D. George Federal Courthouse without having to identify himself. Since then, Martinez has fought a series of battles for his freedom, going up against clearly false charges as he fights for the freedom of others. Now he's battling what appears to be yet another set of bogus charges This time, however, the stakes appear to be much higher. He was indicted this week on what some are saying are trumped-up and retaliatory charges. In February, Martinez, age 32, was arrested after he made Facebook posts that are entirely legal. To be clear, Martinez's posts were in poor taste. However, they were completely legal. Earlier this year, Martinez posted a Facebook photo of a flag-draped coffin carried by uniformed officers with the caption... How police officers take out their trash. Nice. Above the photo, Martinez said, I can't wait to see the news and hear that Detective <coughs> Kenneth Mead is in that casket. Is that a real person? Yes. Okay. Uh, probably, uh, uh, you know, one of the prosecutors or lead detective who's, you know, trumping up these charges and, you know, going after this guy repeatedly. All right. Uh, showing how ridiculous the charges are. That post didn't even violate Facebook's own terms of service and was allowed to stay up on Facebook. Uh, and they show a, a little picture of that here. Uh, in another post, Martinez posted a photo of Dickerson with the statement, This is Michael Dickerson. He is Detective Kenneth Mead's bitch. Dickerson, I hope you and Mead die a slow and painful death. Mead, I have a message for you. Molan Lab. Labe. Labe. Mogan Labe means come and take it. That's that's it was the Spartan response. Anyway, again, though this post was distasteful, (laughs) it was entirely legal. One only needs scroll through Twitter or Facebook for a few seconds to find millions upon millions of similar posts about Trump, Biden, cops, 
judges, local politicians, and individuals whose politics draw them the ire of the political foes. According to the criminal complaint against Martinez, which apparently justified a million-dollar bond, Wow. Martinez threatened Meade with the intent that Meade be, quote, placed in reasonable fear of death or substantial bodily harm, unquote. No, no. I hope you die is different than I'm going to kill you. Right. I, we've covered this a, a couple of times here on Free Talk Live, but happy to talk about it again. Uh, we spoke to a source close to Martinez this week, and they tell us that the reason Meade felt he was in fear was that Martinez called him. <gasps> oh, my gosh. To be clear, Martinez was not stalking Meade. He was merely trying to get back his property from the aforementioned arrest in 2017. So he, he called him as a member of the public, not as an individual citizen. According to policy, what? if... Wait, what? Uh, if, you call, if you're bothering the cop at his home, it's different than calling him at work asking about a case. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and I just want to make this clear before you take that thought any further. According to policy... And we've seen this happen here with the raids here and like other people who've done uh, activism where they get raided or stuff taken away by the police. According to policy, if you need to get back your property, you can contact the officer who seized the property. And Meade was the officer who seized Martinez's property. No caveats? No caveats. All right. The idea that these posts or phone calls placed him in reasonable fear is laughable. Literally every single day... Uh, the Free Thought Project gets hate mail and death threats directed at our employees and even their families and children, and no one is ever placed in reasonable fear because of them. We've had the same thing happen here, where we had a chronic caller threatening one of our, our hosts. Well, Mark, at the time, Mark felt it was reasonable fear, which Absolutely. is why he reached out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And nothing was done, of course, because, well, you know, we're not the state, right? and they could give a crap about what happens to us. They look after their own and nobody else. The emails directly threaten our families, claiming they will murder, rape, etc. If you're reading this now, you can probably even scroll down to the comments and find a threat below. We don't even report them, as some PO'd a-hole ranting on the internet does not justify reasonable fear. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe in your mind, right? Maybe you want to like, oh, let's make sure I got the Glock uh, dialed in, right? You know? I mean, that's just good uh, safety protocols. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, OPSEC. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's what I was looking for. Nevertheless, Martinez is facing a lot of time behind bars because of it. He was facing four felony charges, aggravated stalking, challenge to fight with use of a deadly weapon, stalking with the use of Internet or electronic communication, and possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. He also faces two misdemeanor harassment charges. On Wednesday, however, the feds upped the ante and charged Martinez with two felony counts of possession of a firearm and two counts of a felon in possession of ammunition. Pros so it's almost good that he's getting charged because, again, that gives him standing to counter sue, right, and and sue for, like, malicious prosecution and get some money out of it. I can't ever say that it's good for somebody to be attacked by the state. Well, sometimes they pass... Whenever they but, pass but a as bad far law... As, but as far as him mounting a defense, it, it you yeah. know, it, it's certainly not against him. In the that problem respect. with the system is whenever they pass a bad law, you can't challenge it until you're affected by it. That's not true in New Hampshire. Okay. No, it was one of the amendments that we made to the state of co uh, constitution right after I got here. Okay. Uh, is that since it is paid for with taxpayer money, everyone has uh, has standing? a stake. Yeah, okay. everyone has standing. All right. Yeah. Well, good for New Hampshire, but this is a federal thing, and you got to have standing. 
prosecutors well, again if you're in new hampshire you have standing in federal court yeah Are you sure pretty sure okay james freeman a friend of martinez expressed his opinion on what is unfolding in this case and it's nothing short of corrupt and infuriating these are charges put on Joshua Martinez for making Facebook posts that Detective Kenneth Mead with Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department just didn't like. The posts were, in my personal opinion, distasteful, but there was no harassment or threats. The posts used by Joshua uh, were used by him to express to his friends how much he dislikes Kenneth Mead. After Kenneth Mead spent years terrorizing Joshua and his family. Kenneth Mead is part of the anti-terrorism task force in Las Vegas. He has made zero progress on the Vegas shooting case, but has spent thousands of hours and hundreds of thousands in resources terrorizing Joshua because he believes in the Constitution of the U.S. Kenneth Mead's violent actions against innocent civilians are terroristic. That's from a friend of his. That's his friend's opinion of mm-hmm. Kenneth Mead. See, he, again, the, whoever, the, the, the victim in this is going to make out like a bandit when all of this is like adjudicated at some point. Well, okay. if it ever gets adjudicated, sure. And the benefit to that is if they drop it, then he might have a civil suit for again malicious prosecution. Yeah, but either way, let's say he wins a bunch of money, the taxpayers still lose because it's not coming out of the cop's salary. It's not coming out of the cop's budget. Well, then take Peekless's right. advice and just stop paying them. That doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't diminish where the winnings are coming from. Well, it if does. well. Again, if enough people stop giving their productive power to the financial institutions that have been stealing from them this whole time, then they will lose the ability to continue to abuse us. Uh, We are out of time. Thank you, Richie Rich, for joining me. Thank you, Peakless Mountaineer. Thanks to all of our listeners and, of course, our callers for joining us on this Saturday night edition. If you missed any part of the show, you can find the archives over at freetalklive.com and feel free to join us tomorrow night. I'll be back with a couple other folks for the Sunday night edition. Thanks and peace. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing But there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.